Okay, so Smoke and Snow, Season 2, Episode 6. So when we left off with our characters previously, they were planning to head to the place once known as the Witch's Isle, which, during the profusion of magic that accompanied the Dolmenwood, crashing back into Valconan, collapsed in on itself. The great chaos stone that absorbed ambient magic there, exploding with all the unstable energy. And this huge, seemingly bottomless chasm forming in the centre of the island, which became known as the Beast's Moor. Our heroes have been hired by their employer, Fabrio Taglaroni, who is this somewhat eccentric, sage, merchant, philosopher, and he's absolutely dedicated to getting hold of what he believes to be the Philosopher's Stone, a strange, wondrous mineral that can apparently cure all ills and maladies that may vex the body and mind of a person. Now, he believes that this was once the Chaos Stone that was on the, the island, and that now some part of it lies deep within the island. He's coming to possession of a a map slash note from a person called Silas Templeton, who unfortunately died of an infectious disease after visiting the moor, where Silas Templeton said he'd been to a strange village called Swinsmouth, and he'd located a man called Abadiah Cooper, who had in his possession a strange set of lenses that allowed him to see the minute traces of dust left behind when the Chaos Stone exploded. With those lenses, he'd promised to show Silas Templeton a hidden route to a ruined place of magical water. Now, unfortunately, Silas passed away, but his note and his map came into possession of Taglaroni. He now believes that this place of magical waters might be the resting place of the Philosopher's Stone. So, he hired the heroes to accompany him there. Although he has four guards and a guard captain with him as well but he wanted he wanted a bit more beef and a bit more muscle now at the time the heroes were a little busy dealing with other stuff so they agreed to pay for a week's lodgings for Taglaroni and his men at one of the taverns in New Zealand the hunter and the beetle on the condition that when they came back they'd all head to the moor so after all their various things they have agreed to do that and they've set out from New Zealand on a journey that takes two days to reach what's called the Last Hope Ferry. A small ferry which, if rumours to be believed, is being run by the self-same ferryman Rem Lazar who once dwelt in the Dolmenwood and ferried the heroes across a lake there. So, it's been two days travel guys so obviously you can effectively get 2d3 hit points back if your hit points down because you'll have had ample time to rest and stuff like that on the journey you've taken a fairly not leisurely but you know you've taken a fairly measured pace the as the uh the time has gone on obviously taglaroni is getting a little bit more impatient and he obviously wants to get to the island but He's fine with it taking a little bit of time. 
any of you rolling the dice, by the way, because we obviously we had connection problems last time. I've disabled a load of the modules on Foundry. So although you can still roll dice and the results will come up, you won't get all the spangly like 3D dice graphics. Obviously that chews up a fair bit of the older processor time. So you'll just see the results on the right hand side. Like I say, it's taken a couple of days to get to the Last Hope Ferry. And as you draw closer to it, you can see this huge lake surrounding the island, which is known as the Witch's Isle. Obviously, some of you have been there in its previous sort of incarnation. However, now, as you look across the choppy waters of this wind-lashed lake, you can see that the island appears this as now as this sort of jumble of jutting stone like a great hammer had descended from the heavens itself and smoked the island a great blow collapsing it in the center and driving jagged shards of rock up into the sky you can just about make out from across the lake as you peer against the wind the rain that lashes down at you a a few narrow, thin beaches with rust-red sand surrounding these jagged, rocky promontories, almost like a claw reaching up out of the sea itself. As you approach the Last Hope Ferry, you see a small ramshackle hut made of wood, pitch roof, etc. The rain is drumming on the top of it. There is a large wooden post very securely hammered into the ground running from that is a thick length of rope tied tightly around it in like a sailor's knot and bobbing up and down in the water is this small wooden boat as you approach you can see there's a couple of, sort of stubbly like rough hewn looking men stood just under the eave of the hut roof sheltering from the rain you can also see stood there talking to them and puffing on a pipe is rem lazar a figure that you recognize from the dolman wood when it existed in its previous incarnation the ferryman who took you across the river on your final journey where you gained the green steel blade and inadvertently triggered off this sort of planar apocalypse effectively that mangled Valconan and the Dolman Wood together. As you approach, can you all roll me a D6 please? If anyone gets a six, please let me know. And for anyone who's watching this, unfortunately we're down a man at the moment because uh, Rob who plays Malcolm isn't feeling very well. Get well soon Rob, obviously, so he's gonna fade him into the, the background. Okay, so as you guys approach, you don't notice anything untoward. As you approach, you see one of the rems facing away from you talking to these two fellows. You see one of them sort of like leans out and just like taps his leg and points to in your direction over his shoulder. He turns around and you see his eyes widen perceptively as he spots you all approaching. And he sort of, he nods and after a bit he, he waves you and he's like, come and get yourselves under these eaves here, get yourself out of the rain. And he shouts to make himself heard above the like drumming of the rain. Yeah, well, let's let's get over there, get some shelter. Um, I assume he would recognise us, wouldn't he? 
he, he does as you're sort of as you're all sort of shuffling under and Taglaroni and his like five men are sort of squeezing under there as well. It's a bit of a tight fit in there because it's not a massive hut. But he, he he sort of looks at you and he's he's sort of standing half in the rain now because he's like moved a little bit to like let everyone get under. You know, wipes a bit of the the water off his forehead. You see he's wearing one of the, the sort of leather tricorn hats, like water running off the top of it. And he says says, Oh, been a long time. Wasn't sure I'd see you lot to go. And he takes a point. Yes, uh, different circumstances, but looks like we need your services once again. Um, I'll stand out in the rain, give people a bit more room. Don't bother me in the slightest. He nods and says, "Ah, oh, yeah, I was one of the lucky ones. Uh, not a, not everyone survived the nights of colourless fire." And he sort of looks a little bit, a little bit wistful as he stares into the middle distance for a while and then he says no all all things considered i was i was pretty lucky and wow after so wandering around for a bit and trying to decide what to do with myself well uh i, I settled here obviously I, I heard about the heard about the island over there and well there's a a number of uh fortune seekers who want to go over there but i tell you what i tell them it's a dangerous place let's just say that I ferry far more people over there than I bring back, if you know what I mean. I was going to ask how many uh, how many uh, people have been over and how many have actually come back. He says, oh, more than a dozen I've ferried over and a handful have come back. He said, mind you, there's some folk that live on the island, strange folk from what I hear it, but, uh, and well, there's even stranger creatures dwelling in the lake. He says, and he points to this pipe at the, the lake. He says, uh, that's why I've got uh, these two fellas here. And he gestures at the two guys who are sort of under the eaves with him. And he says, yeah, keep an eye on the boat. Uh, this is uh, Derek and this is uh, Carl. And he points at them with his pipe. Had to hire a couple of likely lads to uh, come on, you know, just to protect the boat while we're going across. And as he's saying this, like, looking around them you can all see that obviously trying to keep it dry but sort of like lent up against a barrel under the eaves are two muskets sort of just behind these two sort of stubbly like grim looking people they both sort of nod at you they they have very similar face, facial features so it's not it's not too difficult to work out they're probably related i'll be at one slightly taller than the other he says oh you you thinking of heading across, are you? Well, that's what this man here, and I'll, you know, I'll point to the uh, the organiser of our trip. He's looking for a, a special item from the aisle. Wow, says Ram. There's a there's a lot of people out across looking for special items at the island. Uh, you want to see they're like the island's not your grave, if you know what I mean. But uh, what does he look for? Which went Tagler out. He says, uh, "Yeah, so that's my friend." Says here. We're looking to head across to this island for, I believe it to be, the resting place of the Philosopher's Stone. And he obviously waits, expecting a response, to which Rem doesn't look that impressed. He's like, oh, is that right, is it? Well, has a dragon in his pipe. He says, yes, it's a, it's a miraculous thing. Um, a healing power par excellence that this world has never known. If I'm, if I'm to gain hold of it, why I'll... I'll be famous and the, the works I'll do will echo down the ages. And he starts going off into like his sales spiel about how amazing 
the Philosopher's Stone is. And you can see, you guys can all see that, like, Ramsov's just, like, nodding politely. Like, isn't really that bothered. But Tagleroni's just, sort of, like, automatically gone into, like, his roach spiel. Which eventually winds to a conclusion with him saying, So, uh, good, uh, good, uh, bargeman, uh, how much, uh, how much would it be to take our party across? And he says, well, normally it'd be 10 gold pieces to take a party across. But uh, I tell you what, uh, since you're with some old friends of mine, and he obviously gestures at you guys, uh, it's on the house. I always went to tag around. He's like, oh, splendid. Absolutely splendid. You know, all of you guys notice that the, as he says this, like the two guys who were like his hirelings, the Rams hirelings are like, as he's like, oh yeah, I'll take you across the free. It's fine. They're just like, what? But they don't say anything. That does seem very odd. <laughs> I must confess. And at this point, all of you can roll another d6 again. Let me know if you get a 6. Okay. So, yeah, he says, he says, well, business is a bit slow at the minute. Not many people wanted to head across in these uh, choppy waters. And like I said, these are, these are old friends of mine. So, yeah, it's fine. He says, mind you, uh, you won't get all of you in the boat. She's only a small thing. I mean, I suppose, I suppose I could leave, uh, leave my two boys. And he like jerks his thumb at the musket, man. I suppose I could leave them behind, but well. I'd be relying on you fellas to protect the boat while we went across. Like I say, all manner of strange beasts in them waters. But that leaves you exposed, though, when we're coming back. He says, well, I could probably take four of you and my two boys across, but obviously, and he gestures at Taglaroni's man, well, you ain't going to get all of you in there. And is there no option to do two trips and uh he says oh well yeah I could, i'll sponsor I, a pay he says well yeah i could i could come back and uh pick you up i suppose it's just down to you fellas to decide who wants to go in the first boat like i say you won't get more than six people all told and well you ain't gonna be you ain't gonna be able to stash loads of equipment and whatnot in there like i say she's only a small boat and he gestures with this pipe towards the little wooden boat he says but i'm fine to make two trips I'm in no rush. With any luck, the rain will let off in a bit anyway. So have a little chat amongst yourselves. Decide who's going over in the first trip and who's going over in the second trip. Like I say, you'll only be able to take what you can carry. But once you've decided, we'll set out. Like I say, we can only get a few people in at a time. I could, probably, I could probably squeeze four of you in apart from like me and my boys, obviously. I suppose Brock, Weimar and... Lord Excitable should go first. Wait, I think you could go as well. We could go four, can't we? Yeah. So us three and the Lord, as we're calling him. That makes sense to oh. me. At which point Tagleroni's right. like, oh, you are you are too kind, my tall muscular friend. <laughs> but but uh, whilst, uh, whilst I hope to eventually garner fame and reputation, uh, for the moment I am a humble seeker of mysteries and curios. I I have no I have no lordly title to my name, although I I thank you I thank you. 
Yeah, I'll just smoke. Yeah, Rem just sort of raises an eyebrow and he's like, he's like, right, so you three and uh, you three and your lordship here, is it? I think so. Yeah. He he says, right, coin you two, and he gestures at his two lads. He's like, right, first trip. Let's get them all in the boat. Let's get going. And you all start climbing in the boat. He's like, as I've said, obviously, you'll only be able to like take what you can carry on you. I can't have like massive loads of weight in the boat with all of us in. She'll be sitting pretty low in the water as it is. He's like, so if you've got anything to, if you've got anything you need to like keep an eye on, I can lock it in my, I can lock it in my shack until you get back. That's not fine. That's not a problem. No, we're leaving the. Got everything we're carrying. Um, only concern is, uh, how deep is this water? He's like, oh, pretty deep. She, uh, it's shallow for the first uh, for the first few meters when you head out, but then it just drops away right steep. Mm. I'm just I'm just thinking of the wisdom of wearing uh, heavy armor, and I look at Weimar especially. If we were unfortunate enough to fall in the water for some reason, to bundle it up and. Uh... Yeah, I'm just thinking maybe just put it at the end of the boat, but take it off. That's fine. Any joys of leather. Yeah. So you spend a, a short while getting out of like your plate armor, Weimar, bundling it up to protect it from the rain and like a cloth bundle and like stashing it at the end of the um, the boat. And as you're sort of stashing it in, everyone else piles into the boat. The two guys, the two hirelings, push it out onto the water they jump in you see ram at the back he's got like one of those long sort of like bargemen's oars and he's poling it across the water as it heads out the two hirelings sort of take a few steps wading into the water jump in over the side they're both sort of holding their their muskets up as they go into the water to keep it out of the water they immediately take up a position on either side of the boat sort of scanning the water you know their muskets held there they've obviously done this a few times before so scanning the water looking for any signs of disturbance occasionally they like look up into the air and then straight back to the water and all you hear aside from the rain spattering on the surface of the lake is the gentle swishing of Rem's pole as he pulls this boat out into the lake and you see the island of the moor this jutting promontory of rock as i've described previously slowly getting closer and closer weimar as you're if you've probably got about halfway across you know you've just like you're giving your armor a bit of a check just to make sure no water's getting in past the bindings you know you don't want to go rusty and stuff like that so you're checking over it when you notice that you've stashed it on you know like the sort of like um the like plank seats they have in boats You've sort of stashed it under one of those and you're just checking on it when you notice there's like a small round object sitting at the edge of the boat on one of these plank seats it looks like a little open locket like a little silver locket and you can just about see as you glance over there appear to be a couple of pictures in it it's open yeah like someone had opened it and just laid it on the yeah. lower seat. Uh, silver? It appears to be, yeah. Mm. What's the pictures? 
Okay, you had you sort of like lean over a little bit to like mm. look at it more quick, more closely, and you see that it appears to be a picture of a a young woman. Obviously, it's like a little painted, like miniature sort of mm-hmm. picture, and there appears to be a a picture of like a, a a young child, a young girl. And as you look at it, like the young girl, like bears a little bit of a resemblance to your uh, your bargeman Rem Lazar. Hmm. Does it have a chain on it as well? Yeah, it has a little like silver yeah, chain yeah. that's just sort of like fallen over the edge of the, the seat and is like dangling loose. So I'll I'll pick it up, close it. And uh where's Rem? He's at the back of the barge. Pulling away. Let's sort of like hold it up. Like this, by the chain. It's like, Rem. Hmm. You drop something. You drop something. I'll sort of swing it a bit back and forth, so it, he sees what I'm holding. He looks up at you and he says, uh, "He says, oh, he says that. Um, that's uh He sort of like lowers the oar a little bit, so it's just sort of like sat in the little thing at the back. He's sort of holding it loosely with one hand, and he's like, he's like, oh, that. Um, he says that's just a." Uh, a locket. It's got a picture of uh, my wife and daughter in it. Hmm. You take it on board for good luck, or he says, "In I still sort of just loosely holding the the pole in one hand." He says, "No, no, I just um, I, I like to keep it with me because, uh, you know, uh, like I said, they they weren't lucky enough to uh, to make it out when the uh, and." and he, hmm. A lot of sorrow comes across face. You know when, um, when uh, you fellows um, destroyed Dolmenwood. Hmm. Sorry for that. Wasn't really. At that point, Romy D six. One more. Now, previously, uh, it did not show up. I presume it showed up for you. Yeah. Uh, Let's see. Oh, here we go. Three. Okay, yeah, I've just tested mine. That's working. Okay, so as you're saying this to him, you know, and I'm just going to roll randomly for this. Obviously, it's not going to be YMR, so I'm just going to do a quick, uh, quick roll. So as he's saying this, you notice that one hand's still on on the tiller. Effectively, you notice his other hand has like reached behind his back, and you see as he sort of like pulls his hand out as he's talking to you and saying, Oh, they didn't survive when you destroyed Dolmenwood. As he brings his hand up just behind Quentin, you see like a flash of metal in his hand. What do you do? Uh, me? Yeah. No one else has seen so, it. You've just got yeah. You've got like a few seconds to react. Is he doing the the gondola thing where he's stood at the back? Yeah. Or yeah, yeah. So I'll um, I'll I'll grab the side of the boat and just like push down as as much as I can <laughs> to make the boat rock to one side. Okay, that is absolutely fine. You've easily got enough strength to do that. That is not a problem. So. To the rest of you guys on the boat, well, not yourself, why not you holding on to the side of the boat? Can you all make me a breath attack save? And I'm going to roll one for Rem. 
Wait for the roll to happen on screen, John. Yeah, no worries. Bloody hell. Lands on it. Yeah, the ice walkers are uh, familiar with this sort of strategy. <laughs> mm. That's it. Okay. Unfortunately, not so Quentin. So, as Wymola pushes down on the side of the boat, the boat dips alarmingly in the water and then rises back up. So, like, probably at one end, coming like a couple of inches above the waterline. Quentin, you sort of spin round following Weimar's gaze and you just have enough time to see this bargeman sort of seems to have like drawn a knife that he was going to plunge into your back. However, the boat rocks. You go over the side into the water. Rem manages to hang on. I'll make a... I'll just do one roll for like all the various like chumps that are on board. Yeah, that were right. Safe tackle is alright. Yeah. So Quentin, you splash down into the water. Obviously, Rem is like stumbles forward. He sort of falls on his face because he was like leaning forward, ready to plunge his knife in, and suddenly Quentin's not there anymore. So he goes on his face in the middle of the boat. The two fellows with the muskets who are like his hirelings seem completely dumbfounded like whatever was going on they don't seem to be in on it they sort of like they, they're like gone for their muskets when when you've started rocking the boat and then they've seen the knife and now they're like uh so that they're, they're effectively just like oh we, we don't really know what to do like this guy's paying us but like we didn't get paid to like murder anybody so, so they're like a bit dumbfounded do i have a second yeah you, second? you you guys have basically got a round now Obviously, because Quentin's in the water, I'm going to dip into the, the swimming slash drowning rules for old school essentials that we've not had to use previously. And the way it works is extremely simple. If you're swimming in treacherous water conditions or wearing armor or stuff like that, you have a percentage chance of drowning. Now, if you're wearing heavy armor and you're carrying a heavy load, you've got like a 90% chance of drowning. If you're in the same water, but you're only like wearing light armor and stuff like that, you've only got a 10% chance of drowning. And it's just a, a D100 roll. Simple as that. So, Quentin. Yeah. Roll me a D100. You are absolutely fine because you're wearing light armor and stuff like that. Like you say, the benefits of leather armor... So again, very wise on your part to say to like, why am I like? You might want to like not be wearing like the full plate. So I'll say if you go over and full plate, it's like roll a D one hundred ninety or less. You're done. Down you go. But yeah, Quentin, you've gone into the water. You're not going to have to make that roll again. So you've sort of broke the surface. You can see there's chaos going on in the boat. If you, are you going to swim back to the boat or? Yeah. Okay, so so for this turn, when everyone else is acting, you'll basically swim to the side of the boat, and next turn you can like pull yourself up. Not a problem. Murder is intense at the moment. Yeah, that's entirely understandable. So the two guys are stood there confused. Taglaroni's like, what? What? They didn't know what's going on. But Brock and Weimar, you've got a chance to act. Obviously, Rem is like stumbled forward, and he's like trying to pick himself up. 
still like holding onto his knife, this strange sort of like curved like silver dagger that he's holding. Uh, Brock, unless you're rearing to go, I'll I'll have a a brief thing with these guys in the world. I was going to say I haven't really. I'll, I'll be reacting to what you've done because I didn't yeah. see this up until yeah. now. So I think I'll follow your lead. Yeah. So I'll I'll check out the guys who are trying to figure out what's going on and what they should do. Um, I'll, let's go. I'll I'll lean over um, to the nearest one. Uh, but I'll say in a voice that is loud enough for the other one to hear as well. Um, I'll say 50 gold each. And I'll, I'll point at the guy uh, with the rifle. They, they, they don't even take a second to like think about that. They're like, the nearest one to you just like nods and like nudges the other one. And they both bring up their, their sort of muskets and like point them at Ram, who's like sort of stumbling up to his feet. Obviously, Brock, you've now had a chance to see like the knife that's still in his hand and like where he's fallen is basically where Quentin was like a few seconds ago before Weimar rocked the boat. Um, well, Lan is, is going to help Quentin get back in the boat, you know, so she's going to be sort of yep. doing that or helping yeah, out. Yeah, so she like leans over the side as Quentin. So basically, yeah. because Lan's helping you, Quentin, you'll get, like, your full action next turn because she'll, like, heave you onto the boat. So you won't be like, oh, I've got to spend my move just, like, climbing up. You'll be able to do act completely normally next turn. And then I'll, I'll just turn to this guy and I'll, I'll just order him, drop that weapon before before you lose your life. You hear a... You hear, like, a low sort of quite sinister chuckling coming from him and he just like laughs and like lets go of the knife it clatters into the bottom of the boat and he he sits back on the seat at the back of the of the boat and he's like you're already too late haven't you done enough destroying my fucking world and as he sort of sits back brock you notice like his, like his sleeves on like his hemp shirt or whatever roll up a little bit and you see what you all failed to notice previously with the, the D6 rolls, that he appears to have like a lot of almost like, you know, like the tribal tattoos, but they're green instead of black, like down his arms. And you notice they appear to be sort of like pulsing with a low light that's slowly getting brighter. Did we not see these these tattoos a, a bunch of different places in... In the old world, you did see a lot of sort of tentacular tattoos in um, Dolman Wood, yes, although they were sort of like more like black ink, whereas these, like I said, this dark green, but they're sort of like pulsing with this green light that's getting like brighter and brighter with each pulse. Yeah, I mean, I'll be looking to Weimar because I ain't got a clue what that is. And, uh... I'm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm going out. For, for my. Uh, um, I'm getting out my. Wait, it's raining, right? Like yeah. it's pelting it down. Okay, so I'm not going for my pistol. <laughs> so I'll. Uh, yeah, to, to be honest, easy. as you think about that, you're like, I'm not entirely sure how much use these musket guys are going to be. To be perfectly honest, but it looks quite impressive. No. They can still be clubbed. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> um, <clears throat> and in the future, I'm thinking long term. Uh, we can use gun friends. Um, so I'll I'll go for the the sun sword and I'll ha 
Um, yep, yeah, you you unsheathe the sun sword like golden light that spills out of it as you do, and like a sort of crackling hissing sound. You know, like those um, insect lights. There's sort of like a hissing, yeah. crackling sound as like the rainwater is hitting the the blade of the sun sword and sort of like being evaporated like this. As you draw it and hold it aloft. Uh, <laughs> Rem, what are we doing now? I'll say and I'll I'll be looking at uh Brock very intently uh as I as I get my weapon out. Um my weapon's drawn and I'm just waiting for the word really. Because this geezer's super nasty. He, he he smiles at you, but it's like a grim gallows smile, rather than one that has any sort of warmth or good humour in it. And he says, "The hooded ones told me that you would come back one day, and that if I just waited, I'd get my chance to take revenge on you." The hooded ones? You didn't seriously think you could escape the reach of the drone by fleeing back here, did you? So I'll, I guess I'll, I'll look at Brock and just uh, <laughs> go, ah, shit. <laughs> and as he's saying this, you notice that like the wood on the seat that he's sat on has started to like smolder slightly. And I'll, I'll motion because I, I imagine the way that I've figured this out is that Brock is closer at least yes. now. Um, so I'll, I'll motion with the sun sword, like forward with, at Brock. It's like, get him, get, get him before. Okay, like, so as they're saying that, Quentin, you're <laughs> heaved back into the boat by land. What do you want to do? Uh, throw a dagger at his face. Yeah, no problems. Make your attack roll. Okay, yep, your dagger hits him, so it grazes the side of his face, so like knocking him off the seat, he like falls down into the boat, a thin trail of red running from his mouth up to his ear, sort of blood leaking down the side of him. As he falls down, his sort of shirt falls down a little bit, and again you see these tattoos appear to sort of like extend all the way up to his lower neck, still sort of pulsing and glowing brighter. He sort of gasps out in a, a hateful voice, sort of distorted slightly by the fact he's got this huge coat and he's like, You're already too late. It's begun. And as he's saying this, and so these tattoos are growing brighter, you actually start to like smell like a sort of singeing, like burning smell coming off him. To, to you, Brock, it conjures up memories of like you know your people like roasting uh, an animal that you'd hunted over a fire. Throw him overboard. Yeah, I was just thinking that. Is is he got a, a foul smell coming off him as well? Or yeah, there's like a sort of singed like smell of like burning flesh coming off him that is slowly starting to get like stronger and stronger. And as you as you look at him, as you're sort of moving possibly to heave him over the side, you're moving towards him. You can actually see that like the vaguest sort of shimmer of like a heat haze has started like over him as though he's like heating up from the inside i'm i'm gonna just try and yeah just throw him over the boat over the side of the boat 
Okay, that is not a problem. I'm going to ask you to make me a strength roll. This isn't see mm -hmm. whether you heave him over the side. You can easily do that. You can one-hand him over the side. This is just see whether you do it quickly enough before whatever happens is going to happen. Okay. Yep, so you grab him. You heave him overboard. These, As you're sort of grabbing him, these tattoos are getting so bright it's almost difficult to look at him and as you grab hold of him you can feel like the heat you can feel like the the hairs on your arm sort of crisping and like burning away as he's getting hotter and hotter you hurl him over the side there's a loud hiss as he hits the water and you see him sinking below it then a few moments later there's a loud <laughs> and what appears to be a a green fireball, for want of a better term, seems to like expand under the water, obviously sending plumes of water and that's been basically superheated up into the air and sort of throwing the boat that you're in up into the air. And we're asking you all to make me another breath save. Whoops. Yeah, it's gone from one extreme to the other. And this being the uh, staying on the boat. Yes. Yeah. Because I, I need to ask only because I'm shit against magic. No, it's, it's not magic. <laughs> well, well, it, it is magic because he's blown up. But you know, yeah, the 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 fireball. Yeah, the, the boat is, bit isn't magic. Boat. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Here we go. Did it? Did it do the thing? It's probably just taken a while. Here, let me let me try and click again. We'll just shut your couch, so you reopen it if you're having a lot of problems. Yeah, let's see. Oh, I'm gonna make a roll for the the two just guys. Okay. Oh, here we go. Okay, now now we're doing. It. Um, no modifiers. There we go. Yay. Okay, so Brock, obviously Quentin. Weimar, you're fine. Brock, both you and Lan are unfortunately going to end up in the drink. So basically, as you've hurled him over and this fireball bursts out, is there anything your character like says dramatically just before the boom sends the boat into the air? Um, something like, it's time for you to cool off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so as, as Brock's like, time for you to cool off. And like throws him, throws Ram into the water. There's this loud explosion. The boat's lifted up into the air. Both Brock, Lan, the two guys with the muskets go into the water. You hear like the loud splashing as their bodies hit the water. Taglaroni is like basically clinging onto one of the seats. So he's all right. Obviously, Weimar and Quentin are fine as the boat splashes down into the water again. Okay, so Brock, you're in fairly like light armor and stuff like that, aren't you? Uh, when I took my armor off, I, I normally wear chain. So yeah, so that's what I was saying. So you, both both oh, you mind. and you and Lan have only really got a ten percent chance of drowning. I'm going to roll for the two the two guys holding the muskets are uh, unfortunately a bit more heavily armored, so uh, it might not be so good for them. Uh, okay, one of them's gone. I'll do mine first. Five and then land. Yep. 
so you two are both fine you break the surface of the water however of the two guys holding the muskets there is no sign you sort of like look around for it but you don't see any sign of them sort of resurfacing i don't sort of see them sort of fall past me or anything as i'm in the water or no you 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 do intend on sort of getting yourself to the surface okay that's a hundred gold i'll get a an oar get people on board i'll start helping land i don't think i can lift brock out of the water yeah no problems between you all you're able to like scrabble everyone back on board you the waters are still plenty choppy around here the green fireball glow that briefly illuminated under the water has now faded away tagleroni's been like shouting to like his two guys like seeing if he can like see them but there's no sign of them resurfacing Um, okay, well, um, I'm going to take over as the gondolier um, Wymore has some previous life experience in this sort of thing. So, yeah, I'm going to have a curved dagger. Yeah, oh, is yeah. the dagger on board? Yeah, he dropped it in the bottom of the boat. Yeah. And we have the, the the trinket as well. Indeed, yeah, you've got the little locket. So I want to make yeah. a note of this so I can let you go to you later. So Wymore. Yeah, yeah Wymore is going to put it on uh, very intently um, under the the tunic that he's wearing because he's not got any armor on now. Um, this this will be a thing going forward. It's going to be rather important. Okay, no problems. So, <clears throat> and Quentin, the the dagger that you've got, it appears to be made of silver rather than like your own silver daggers. However, it's got like a noticeable like curve on it, and you notice that on the sort of I suppose like acid etched into the blade or sort of like leaf patterns and motifs but yeah you grab hold of that you can see that it's I mean to your eyes Quentin in your sort of line of work it pretty much to you it looks like a, a weapon that's like made for like an assassin pretty much like obviously it's curved you know so you can tuck it in about like behind your back or whatever and then quickly like which is what your man Rem Lazar attempted to do, but obviously he's not a skilled assassin. He was just relying on the fact that like you guys are too busy doing other stuff. I'm just going to stick this in the back of one of you while you're doing it. Hopefully, get my sweet, sweet revenge. But I see why I spotted him and did the old rock of the boat, and that disrupted everything. But it's a very well crafted silver dagger. Okay, so looking around, Wymore, as you're like grabbing the the sort of barge pole and you're at the tiller, so to speak, you can see you're about halfway to the island. Like I say, the the waters are quite choppy. They were even before this this fireball-like explosion. But you can see that you're probably actually just over halfway there. And you can see you appear to be heading towards what looks to be like a, one of these shallow sort of rust-coloured sandy beaches that leads up onto the the jutting-out rocks of the moor. And you. Yeah, so as, as we go along, um, I'll... Because um, we still need to get, like, Malcolm. Uh, there's the, the rest of the entourage yep. still on, on the other side. So as we get on onto the beach... Uh, I'll volunteer unless Brock Quentin, uh, our new friend here, have any uh, better ideas. I'll 
I'll just volunteer. I'll go back and get the rest. One of us should go with you. Yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't suggest on your own, just in case. He was telling the truth about his waters. Hmm. I mean, I'm happy to come back with you if there's going to be enough room for us to get all the others. And obviously Brock does make an interesting point because you could tell why Mox you were closest to them by the reactions that he'd obviously not hired those two guys to be part of his plan because they were like as surprised as mm -hmm. you guys. Mm -hmm. So it's quite feasible he did hire them for what he said he did. Mm -hmm. Um so Quentin, you okay yep. to stay? Yeah, it's fine. Well we'll we leave the armor on the island, shall we? To save us a bit of weight and space on the boat. The plate? Yeah. Yeah, the armor, all the armor that we took off. Okay. Right, so let's get going. I don't want to spend any more time here than we need to. So yep. I'll, I'll start straight back. And Lana stay on the island as well, so there's a few of them there. So it's Weimar and Brock going back, is it? Yep. yep. Okay, so it's fairly uneventful you going back and ferrying the guys back. However, as you're sort of waiting for them on the beach, Quentin, sort of just from beyond uh, a group of like jutting up like dark stone rocks, you hear after a few minutes, they've been gone a few minutes, you hear this voice going, I'm definitely going to pull weapons. Yeah, you, you get your weapons ready, and as you do so, a an incredibly fat-looking man holding a stick comes like walking around the nearby rocks, and he appears to be leading a a small, I don't know what the appropriate term is, but a small group of very fat, sweaty-looking swine that he's sort of talking to in this like nonsense language, like, hey, sweet, sweet, sweet. And he sort of like occasionally like taps one of them with his stick. You can see these swine are sort of scrabbling around in the minimal vegetation, like the moss and the, the lichen that's like clinging to these rocks. This sort of like fat fellow who's like leading him occasionally stops to like sort of wipe the, the sweat off his forehead. And he's he doesn't really even seem to have noticed you guys. He's just intent on like herding these swine. I'll call at him. I think we can get some pig. He looks. He looks up at you. He's like, "Oh, hello there." Hello. Uh, how much for a pig? He says, "Oh, what? One of my one of my prize swine." Yeah. He says, "Oh, he says, oh, sorry, I keep I keep these for the mayor. I couldn't possibly sell you one of these, fella." What's the mayor cut charge you? He says, "Well, he, he doesn't really charge me anything. He's the mayor. He doesn't have to." He owns everything in Swinsmouth, so he does. Uh, five gold. He's like, well, I suppose I, I suppose I could let you have the little and there, and he like gestures with his stick at like the smallest of these creatures, which sort of peers at you from a, a pudgy, slightly bloated piggy face. Its eyes having a sort of strange, almost intelligent look to them, peering out of this blubbery face. He says, oh, I reckon I could let you have the small one for five gold. Yeah, I'll take that one. He, he, he holds out like a fat, pudgy hand. Put five gold in it. Yeah, he takes that and he's and he's like, well, 
Go on then, sir. You'll you'll have to catch it and keep hold of her. Careful, she's a lively one. I'm just going to shoot it. Yeah. You, you, I'm not even going to make him make a roll for that. You shoot it between the eyes. It drops dead with a loud squeal. He, he doesn't even seem to blink. He just sort of like, huh. Oh. See, the, the rest of the pigs start like panicking a bit, and he's immediately like taken up with trying to like herd them with his stick and stop them like running everywhere. Yeah, I'm just going to drag it off and start finding driftwood for a fire. Yeah, finding wood isn't a problem. Finding dry wood is a problem, though, because obviously it's raining. Yeah, yeah. But, um... It'll dry eventually. Yeah, that's true. So, I'm going to say, by the time... It, it takes you a fair while. So, by the time Wyma, you get back with the rest of Tagaroni's men and Brock, obviously, you, you get onto the beach. The, the fellow's wandered off since then, Quentin. He's, like, he's taken his, like, pigs and he's headed off. He's managed to, like, stop them panicking. And he's, like, headed off back the way he came. As you guys get to the beach, you see Quentin there sort of trying to put together a, a bonfire and he's got this small sort of like pig lying on its side next to it. There's like a little like neat hole in its head. Thin dribble of pig blood drenching into the, the already red rust sands. I'll, I'll lean over to Brock and I was like, of all the things, <laughs> I didn't expect to come back to a roast. <laughs> Don't complain. <laughs> Could have been a lot worse. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah, which makes me very suspicious now. <laughs> it's still not good. <laughs> <clears throat> oh well, let's see what this is about then, I guess. <laughs> Yeah, you, you so, wander back over. Quentin, you've just got your fire to like start smouldering a little bit. There's like a little a few wafts of smoke coming up. Yep. Uh, as Weimar and Brock and the the very confused sort of men that Taglaroni's bought it, like Brock and Weimar have been like explaining what happened. And they're sort of like they're looking like on their guard basically, because they're like, Yeah, well, yeah. You know we said it was gonna be like oh, just a straight row across Yeah, yeah, guy tried to stab us and then like blew up and uh Two guys drown on the way over, and they're like, so they're obviously a lot high alert for want of a better term. But yeah, you guys wander over. Quentin's there, sort of like blowing into this fire. He's got it sort of smouldering. You can hear the crackling of the sort of damp wood that's started to take just a little bit, and there's this like pig lane next to it. Have you like shoved a bit of wood through it, Quentin? Ready to go on the older? Oh yeah, I've definitely gutted it. And... Yep. So you can see that Quentin's got like a couple of sticks. So like either side of the bonfire, he's shoved a, another twig through the uh, through the pig. Obviously, planning to like rotisserie style it over the uh, over the fire once it's fully caught. Obviously, he's having a little bit of trouble because of the dampness, but it's getting there. It's just going to take a while, basically. You wander over. Hungry were you while we were away? <laughs> oh, you know, never miss an opportunity to eat an actual pig. Good point. Good point. Um, quick question: uh, Where? <laughs> How? I killed it. I can see that. <laughs> <That's>, um, <clears throat> basically, there's a pig farmer around here. A pig farmer. Yeah. On the witch isle. He gives the pigs to the mayor. There's a mayor on the witch isle as well. <laughs> yeah. So I bought a pig. And then I shot the pig. Now very, gonna... very interesting. It's a fat one as well. 
they've got a lot of is john is there a is there grass <laughs> that there's there's, there's not really grass there are a few small isolated bits of like sea grass and moss that are sort of clinging to the uh clinging to the stones sort of having a look at them you know as quentin i was a pig for me you can actually see several places where it looks like the moss has been sort of like gnawed off these mm -hmm. rocks and like some of this sea grass has been uprooted and there's a few mm. strands lying around it's not a lush pasture land but there is like mm -hmm. a few isolated sparse bits of vegetation if you know where to look i think he called the place swinsmith swinsmith is there any sign of this settlement can we see from where we are you, you can't see from where you are but basically you're at you're at the sort of lowest elevation of the island on a small beach and it seems to rise up and that's these jagged like promontories of rocks coming out everywhere so you can't really see much of the island at the vantage point that you're on and what sort of time of day is it once we've done all this once you've done this i would say it's early afternoon okay well, it seems like quentin's uh keen on cooking up dinner for us <laughs> Yeah, but you can get the fire going because you're better at this than I am. Yeah, man, I can give you yeah, give you a few pointers on fire making. Yeah, I'd say with with Brock's expert wilderness knowledge, it doesn't take you long to get like a a sort of raging fire going. He sort of sets it up in the right way to like dry off the wood for like maximum efficiency, and then sort of like moves it around so like the wood dries quicker. And before you know it, you've got this raging crackling fire. You know, you get. Brock and Lance will like heave the heave the pig onto the the makeshift like spit that you've done, and as you're probably one of um, Taglaroni's guys is just sort of like turning it a little bit, it starts to like crackle and crisp, and you hear the hiss of hog fat, greasy dropping into the fire and sizzling. But by the time you've got that all done, it's probably getting into like early evening. Like I say, it takes like quite a long time to get the fire sorted because how wet everything is, but. The, the lights just started to fade a little bit sort of like into dusk but obviously there's plenty of light here because you've now got this raging fire going uh, Taglaroni still appears like quite shocked by the events that have occurred although you know like he's, he's glad that you've got his man over he, he's been noticeably a lot quieter since the journey he's not his normal like rambunctu was like ah oh, we're gonna find the philosopher's stone i'm gonna be the greatest dealer in the world he's like been noticeably quiet since the somewhat troubled journey over here but um yeah you're all sat around this fire uh Tagarani's managed to rouse himself enough to like tell his men to like keep a watch you know just in case and his men are sort of like watching around taking like turns and the rest of you all find yourself sat by the the warmth of this fire the rain has subsided slightly it's like a, a little drizzle now and you can hear the the crackling of this pig as it's blackening and cooking over the fire well i suggest we make camp then for the night and investigate your uh well take a look at this map of yours tomorrow okay is that the plan guys yeah, yeah, definitely. I'll also cook the um, kidneys by the side of the fire. Nice. Okay, absolutely fine. You you make camp such as it is. 
there's nothing untoward happens during the night you all take various watches you all get a, a good feed of this this pig anyone who's down hit points you can regain another d3 hit points and you wake up the next morning the weather is much calmer the water as of the lake still appears to be a little bit choppy and there's a little bit of a wind but there's sun shining down the rain appears to have stopped for the moment although you can see in the distance sort of heavy like dark pendulous clouds which mean there might be some more rain later but for the moment it's fairly warm and fairly balmy So then, this map. Yeah. Is the Lord going to shed any light on where we're travelling? Tagler only takes out his map and he says, Well, uh, as I told you previously, uh, the, uh, the the note on the map reads, uh, I've come into the acquaintance of a strange man from the odd village of Swinsmoor. Going by the name of Abijah Cooper, he has possession of a set of lenses allowing him to see the minute traces of dust left behind when the Chaos Stone exploded. With it, he promises to show me the route to a ruined place of magical waters. I must hire men at New Zealand and return, and Silas Templeton has signed it. And there's a very crude map here which shows the location of the ferry, the moor, and uh, this, this village of Swinsmouth. If, if this map is at all accurate, uh, it should be a, a, a couple of hours travel uh, in that direction. He sort of points past these, these large rocky outcroppings. That seems uh, seems reasonable. Uh, I suggest everyone's on their guard as we don't know what lives on this isle. But let's head for the town then. Okay. So you start following the map. It takes you a little time because obviously it's not like a, an ordnance survey map or anything. It's just a very crudely drawn map. And you make your way to the village of Swinsmouth. Takes you about half a day to get there. As you arrive on the outskirts, sort of, you're basically on the western sort of coast of the island, for want of a better term. As you start getting near to it, you see this small, fairly run-down, dilapidated-looking village of crooked wooden buildings. That looks to be in a quite a severe state of disrepair. The only thing you note that seems, uh, I suppose, at all remarkable is that there appear to be two buildings that appear to be in a much better state than every all of the other ones that you can see. One is what looks to be a, a fairly reasonably sized house on a little hill, and the other appears to be a, a sort of stone building that looks a uh, Looks more like a, a church or perhaps a, a temple of some kind. The the village appears fairly deserted. You don't see like lots of people walking around or anything like that. And like I say, it's quite eerily silent as you peer down this like crooked path that runs between these dilapidated, crumbling wooden buildings. You can see some of them have got like moss growing on them or where the salt air is like eaten away at the wood and the only any real sound you can hear is there seems to be an omnipresent slight sound of like pigs or hogs 
that you can hear nearby and the creaking of these wooden buildings as the wind sort of blows across this small village. You've been to this isle before, have you not, Weimar? Is this something you're familiar with? Uh, well, not this one. Uh, I was... Uh, I visited the previous one. <laughs> so this town is new, is it? Yes, completely new. No, it was three things before. Uh, frost dwarves, which you are familiar with, no doubt. Um... Um, shall I say uh, a beastly um, people of uh, beastly countenance and uh, influenced by uh, the foul arts of... Corrupted ones. Mm. Uh, which, by the way, we probably need to deal with that as well. Going, uh, <clears throat> not not those people, but the the powers behind them. And for third, <clears throat> the um, the dead but not gone uh, knights who persist, perhaps even now. The uh, not dead. no no swine herds, no no herds of swine, no mayors, no settlements. It was a very, very dangerous place last time. And this all makes me very suspicious now. But maybe, just maybe, this got switched for a fairly normal piece of the Dolman Wood. Mm. Well, Excepting the crater. With the or if one try, person tried to kill it because of what we did in that wood. Mm. Yeah, no, that doesn't take the danger away. No, but perhaps less ghosts and uh, corrupted... Uh, beast people <laughs> as you're having this discussion one of the one of the soldiers that came across with Fabrio sort of says hey I, I'm sure I saw someone in that building there just for a moment they they looked out of the window and then ducked back in the building got this stone building he says no 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 one, one of the uh, one of the little wooden huts and he like points at one of the sort of dilapidated wooden buildings I mean, it's strange not to see anyone walking in a village. Well, let's let's go and investigate, and I'll uh, walk over to that building and uh, knock on the door. If there's a, I assume there's a door on it. Yeah, there's like a, a sort of like wooden door held on with like little strips of rope. You knock on it, the door sort of creaks back a bit, and you see this fat face of this. Uh, this sort of middle-aged man sort of peers through the crack of the door and he's like, what do you want? I look over to our lord and say, uh, what's the name of this man we look for? He says, oh, the, the, the man we're looking for is uh, Abijah Cooper, Mr. Montaigne, Abijah Cooper. And I turn back and say, do you know this man? He says, oh... He says, yeah, I, 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 I used to know old uh, Abijah. You won't find him around here, no? Uh, he says, oh, not, not since the beast took him. The beast? Oh, terrible thing it were. He says, yeah, he says, you, you must know about them all. They're all manner of strange beasts and creatures dwelling in there. And, well, must be 
must be nigh on two week ago uh, one of these uh, one of these beasts snatched old Abijah and uh, took him away oh he must be a goner by now he took him from from within the village I oh, were, were driving his pigs just on the outskirts of the village uh, up on the uh, the north edge of the village uh, just beyond the church up there and uh, well just snatched him it did we heard the screaming oh terrible terrible it were terrible Why do you live on such a place? In such a place. So, what do you mean? Why don't you uh, get off of this island, this cursed island? He says, "Well, m most mostly they uh, they uh, leave us alone, and well, the the mayor, uh, God, God rest him, he's uh, he, he's trying to he's trying to build something here for for people, and well." It might be a bit rough and ready now. I'm not saying it isn't, but uh, and he sort of like lets the door go and he's like stepped out a little bit. He's like talking to you properly now. He's like, well, I won't say it's not rough and ready now, but you know, I, I believe in what the mayor's trying to build here. You know, he's trying to make a better place for for us folk and for himself, and we don't get that much trouble. I mean, this is the first first I can recall for ages. So he, he looks after us pretty well, does the mayor, uh, and he sort of gestures at the. Um, sort of slightly better kept house up on the hill he says oh yeah he takes good care of us does does uh mayor huey mm, mayor huey he says uh, he says anyway uh don't don't let me uh stand the key so do you want to come inside have a have a sit down or something uh, it's very kind but there's quite a number of us and uh he says oh he, he says it's all right i've just got a bit of a i've just put myself a bit of a sausage porridge on you're welcome to have some sort of look round to the rest of the group and see if they want to push on or take hospitality what, what does this Abajaya look like he says oh well he's a he's a tall fellow a uh, little bit little bit of a wispy beard uh, bit, bit of a middle aged spread my arm wants to talk and he like pats his own stomach uh, why just wondered. I imagine this bloke's going to go out to look for him. Mm. Do you know where which house he lived in? He says, "Oh yeah, yeah. He lived in that that house there, just past the uh, just just past the church. There. That's why he was on the northern side of the village." He says, "Oh, I met his older uh, his old wife. Oh, terrible blow for her it were when he went missing. Obviously, the mayor sent out people looking for him, but well, we didn't find nothing of him." He says, "Well, and." To be fair, if this, uh, if one of the the things has taken him back to its lair, oof, I don't reckon our chances if we all went in there. I mean, we're, we're simple folk. Hmm. Maybe we can find him. Romy D six, bro. D And obviously, since we're still having issues with the dice, if anyone wants to like roll a random manual dice or whatever, and just tell me what you get when it's like a D6, I'm happy for that. Uh, one. Okay. So as you're talking to this fellow, he's like he's resting his hand on like the door frame as he's sort of leaning out and talking to you. And you notice you sort of see out the corner of your eye at first, and without trying to sort of like be rude, you like 
your eye line drifts over. You know, it appears to be something like a bit strange about his hand. Like it's almost like his like fingers there have sort of like grown together. So he's just got like two like big fat fingers and a thumb mm. as he's like resting his hand on the door frame. Anything else strange about him? No, I mean he, he looks. He's quite overweight. He looks a bit out of condition. He's like, he breathes quite heavily. He's a bit sweaty, but other than that, hmm. I mean, does it represent or uh, not represent, but remind me of like a like a pig trotter or something like that? If you squinted, it might look a bit like that. Yeah. Although it's like it still looks like fingers that have grown together, but the shape oh, okay. of it's vaguely reminiscent of that. Yeah, if you like took the thumb mm. off. Okay. Um Yeah, I mean I'll notice it, but I won't say anything at this stage. As you're sort of like looking at that, all of you sort of like were nearby, obviously. You hear like a bit of a banging and commotion from further inside this ramshackle wooden building. And he, he shouts back in the building. He's like, he's like, Martha, Martha, I'm talking to some people out here. Keep that youngster under control, will you? And you hear like a, a murmured, sort of slightly softer voice say something indistinct from inside. He's like, oh, sorry about that, fella. He's like, you know what youngsters are like? Always rushing hither and thither. Yeah, it'll, it'll grow out of it. It'll grow out of it. Hmm. Yeah, well, it'd be nice to meet the family, and I'll step inside. He, he, he sort of like he seems a bit surprised as though he was going to sort of say like, "Oh, you know, no, there's no need for that," and then you just like step past him before he has a chance to like do anything. You you can see that, that there's obviously more than one room to the place. It's presumably if it's like most of these sort of crude wooden huts, it actually reminds you of what the wooden huts used to be like in Valconan, like back in the day when it was first founded in New Zealand. You know, just like a central room and maybe like a small like bed chamber you can hear like the noise appears to be coming from like this bed chamber there's like a little wooden door in the, the center there's just like a simple like table little fire on the table there's like a couple of little plates there's some there's like a couple of pork chops on a plate there's what looks like a sort of thick soupy porridge with like sausages sticking out of it there's uh, yeah. like a bit of black pudding on another plate I'm a bit intrigued by this this strange hand, so I'm sort of. He, he sort of comes back in, and he like scratches his head. He's like, he's like, well, it again, he like points at it with like his like strange hand. He's like, well, it's a we're simple folk, but you know, if you if you or you, you your fellows want to come in and uh, have a have a bite to eat, uh, we, we we've got a little bit. So uh, I'm sort of heading towards this other room. I'm trying to get a, get me eyes on this. That's okay. what he calls his kid. So while Brock is doing that, what are the rest of you guys doing? The I'm assuming that unless we say otherwise, like Taglaroni's got like his men just sort of like guarding the periphery because he seems to have been a bit paranoid that like one guy's already tried to kill you and he's like, oh, I don't want anything else sneaking up on us. So he's like got his man on like watch at all times, which, okay, yeah, he's maybe being a bit paranoid, but it technically means you guys don't have to worry about guarding the periphery. So I'm going to go and look at this house of the aforementioned man but I'm in no rush to get there <laughs> the, the, the house that Brock's just got into no no the um... oh the house up on the hill yeah 
Yep. Yeah. Are you actually heading up to it, or are you just like looking from where you are? Just looking from where I am. Yeah. As you look at it, you can see again it's a wooden building. However, it appears significantly larger than the like the sort of ramshackle huts you can see here and there dotted around the village. And it also appears to be like a much better state of repair. You know, like the walls are like whitewashed. It's got like a nice maintained roof. You can even see what look to be like a few speckles of like greenery around it. You can't tell exactly what they are at this distance, but you know, maybe they've got like some herbs or some plants like growing around it. You can also see as you sort like you take a few steps, just like peer around a few of these huts, and you can see there appears to be what looks to be a small like wooden pan outside, and you can just make out the the unmistakable shapes of these like large pink swine in this like pan outside the house. And as you sort of like peer around, you see that like a lot of the other houses also have like these sort of like swine pens like next to them with like pigs in them. Little pigs. Okay, why am I worried about yourself? Um, I suppose I'm I'm sort of surveying the situation, <laughs> the different tendrils of it, and uh, I'll. I'll just hang on to our our brave explorer um, so he doesn't get himself hurt. Okay, not a problem. So you guys are doing that. Brock, you've you've sort of moved in. You're looking around this building. You sort of edged yourself closer to this uh, bedroom. You can hear a now unmistakably female voice sort of like, you can't hear exactly what it's saying beyond the door. But it's obviously like talking in like a soothing tone, you know, like a placating tone, and you can hear this sort of scrabbling, sort of like banging of something going on in this room. And then, just on the very like, edge of your hearing, you hear this like. Yeah, I'll, I'll turn to the man and say, Are "Your family not joining us for some food?" He says, "He says, oh no, he says, oh." The, the, the youngster, like like I say, these youngsters, they uh, they you know they need time to settle down. Always oh, his table manners are something atrocious. He says no, I, I wouldn't bring him out to a uh, to, to put you off your food, to stranger. And he sort of like, he sort of like reaches down with a pudgy hand, and he literally just like plunges his hand into this soupy bowl of porridge, like comes up holding a a sausage with like bits of like oats and stuff like dripping off it. And he sort of holds it out towards you, and he's like, "There you go, stranger. That'll set you right." And he's like, basically shoves this sausage like right in your face as he's like holding it out to you. There's still like the sort of like, porridge like dripping down his arm and off. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, my table manners are not great, but even that's crossing the line for yeah, me. It's, it's a bit grim. I'm not going to lie. <clears throat> Yeah, I'm definitely too intrigued. I'm going to have to have a look in this room. I'm just going to push like him to one side. Yeah, I'm just going to push this guy to one side and uh, open this door. Okay, make me a strength roll. It's misbehaving. Shall I roll it? Let's roll it. I rolled a two. 
yeah so obviously that's a success you do know when you go to push this guy out that like he actually put for saying like he looks like a pudgy like out of out of condition like overweight sort of farm guy he actually like puts up like a fair amount of resistance as he like pushes back but obviously you're like well honed ice walker muscles are like far too much for me you just like and like pushing towards like he sort of stumbles and like throws his centre of balance off like I say he's quite heavy and he just sort of stumbles and like falls down on his ass next to the next to the table and you push the door open into this room you can see a fairly standard sort of bed chamber in here you know there's a couple of like furs on the floor you know there's uh, maybe like a little fireplace a little sort of dresser with a few personal effects you can see a what appears to be quite a sort of chunky middle-aged woman she appears to be trying to like get a a young kid dressed you can see like she's like pulling a, a sort of shirt over this kid's head and he's obviously like struggling about like that and you can just see like his legs like out the bottom of it and she's like going like oh come on now we've got to get got to get this uh this shirt on you and she's trying to pull it over and you just see like just see like all the lump of his like head and his arms so he's like wriggling about and she's trying to like get this shirt on him but she doesn't even seem looks, to have noticed you. Yeah, you just see these tiny like looks these little like feet poking out the bottom. Obviously, you can't see yeah. the rest of me. He's covered by the shirt. But they look normal. Yeah, the feet, the feet look normal. Yeah, yeah. She doesn't even seem to have noticed you. She's so intent on it. Come on, we've got. We've come on. What, what would your father think? We've got to get you in this shirt. And she's like trying to wrestle this shirt over this this young kid who's obviously like no, like not really talking, but he's just like thrashing about. Obviously, doesn't want to be wearing this shirt. And I can't hear this n noise that I heard previously. Hmm. At which I point just, she... I just watched the scene. No, I was just going to say, I'll just watch the scene for a few seconds. Yeah, no problem. After a few moments, she finally tugs, like, forcefully tugs this shirt down over the child's head. And as she does so... The child like turns his face to towards the door, almost looking directly at you, Brock, and you see this horrendous, mangled, sort of combination of human and porcine features, like the snout of a pig and the sort of bristly, warty hairs. And as this child sees you, it opens its mouth, and this loud, piggy squeal emanates from it. At which point, following his gaze, the the woman turns round, sees you, and she's like, <gasps> in shock as she sees this like barbarian like stood framed in the doorway. At which point, like a, a pudgy hands like laid on your shoulder as like uh, the, the fellas obviously got to his feet, and he's like, "Oh, I think it's about time you were going, stranger." As this sort of, like bizarre like club hand comes on your shoulder. And you sort of yeah. feel it, he like quite forcefully, like squeezes your shoulder, like not enough to cause you any damage, but he's obviously quite strong. He's like, I think it's about time you were going, stranger. I think you've overstayed your welcome. Yeah, I I do a one eighty, and I just push him to one side, and I I walk out. Yeah. Uh, to uh, report back to the others. Okay. Yeah. Quentin's a little way off. He's like, scoping out of this building. Weimar's like chatting to like Taglaroni. Taglaroni's men are like keeping a lookout. Over to you guys. Well, I think this place is cursed. There's a loud bangers like the doors slammed behind Brock as he like walks out and says this. 
I think that's a given at this point. I mean, there's, well, his child is half, half human, half pig or something disturbing. Now, when you say half pig, what are we talking about? His face had like a pig nose. And he made a squeaking noise like a pig would. This is some curse on the island, no doubt. Hmm. Uh, and I'll turn to the Lord and see if he's got anything to say. Uh, Tagarani says, well, I, 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 I don't know anything about a curse, but... Uh... This is this is the last place where Abijah Cooper was seen. Although from what they say now, he's been snatched by this this creature or whatnot. But um, I, I suppose if if it's if it's these lenses that uh, Templeton's letter talked about that are that are important rather than the man himself, uh, I think finding them should be our our first priority. Let's, let's go to his house and see if we can find them. Then yeah. Okay. Ask his wife. So you all uh, you all make your way through the town. Despite the fact you don't really see any people about, you just hear the sort of grunting of the, the swine in the various pans as you pass. You have this strange feeling as though you're sort of being watched as you head through the town. And occasionally you will see like a, a glimpse of movement in like one of the windows of one of the wooden shacks. But whenever you look at it, like it's like someone's just ducked out of sight. And you continue towards this, again, fairly small ramshackle wooden building where apparently this Abijah Cooper lived. Again, there's another hog pen next to it. You can see there's a, there's quite a, an overweight middle-aged woman she appears to be like hanging some washing out, like sheets or whatever. As you approach, you can see she's uh, she's got sort of like streaks, so she's been like crying a lot down her down her cheeks. And you notice as you approach that she uh, she's wearing like a, a long skirt, a blouse, etc. And as she walks, she has like a noticeable like limp. And she's like moving around with a basket, like hanging this washing out. It seems to be like a bit of a struggle for her. Well, I suggest you, um, and again, I'll be speaking to the, the Lord. I'll, uh, I suggest you speak to this lady and maybe offer our services to look for a husband in exchange for these lenses you seek. Yes, I think that's a, and that's a splendid idea. And Mr. Mr. Montaigne, and he, he walks up and he's like, a, I, I, I say there, hello. And the woman sort of turns around and she says, oh, uh, uh, hello there, uh, madam. I, I, my, my condolences at the the unfortunate events that have recently occurred. And she sort of like nods a little. You see, she's trying to hold back tears. And he says, uh, however, I'm here to tell you that uh, your fortunes may be about to change. Myself and these these brave, fine gentlemen here. When he sweeps his hand out, gesturing at all of you, uh, we have determined that we are going to attempt to. To, to rescue your dearly beloved from the clutches of whatever foul beast has taken him. And you briefly see her, her eyes sort of widen, perhaps with hope. And she sort of like takes a couple of steps forward again, sort of like limping noticeably. And she's like, oh, did, did you really think you'd be able to be able to find Abijah? Oh, I, I, 
I'd almost given up hope when that uh, when that thing came down out of the sky and took him. He's like, I have no fear, madam. I have, I have procured the services of some of the finest heroes in Valconan. And it, if he can be found, these fine gentlemen will find him. You have my word. She, and she said, like, she actually just stopped crying under it at this point. And she like, looks at you and she's like, oh, thank you. I, I'd, be, I'd be ever so grateful. I, I, I don't, don't know what to do with that, Abijaya. I, I know... I know the mayor, bless him, he, he, he sent out parties looking for him, but they, 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 they didn't find anything. He's like a few, like, sort of tears roll down her cheeks. Fabrio says, oh, well, uh, is, there, is there anything you can tell us about, I know it's painful, but is there anything you can tell us about that, uh, that night when he was taken? She says, oh, I can't tell you much, only what I heard, he was, uh, he was uh, he was taking the the swine around to a to a feeder. She like gestures to the north of like where they live, and says, uh, and, "Well, I, I heard this. Uh, I heard this awful, awful screaming, and I ran out to see what was going on, and uh, I I saw so, so a, a shape in the sky, and all that was left of Abijah was one of his boots lying on the ground, and uh, I I heard his." His voice, it seemed to be screaming from the air and then it got fainter and fainter until it disappeared. But I, it, it was dark. I, I couldn't see exactly where it went. And uh, of course, I, I, I ran down to I ran down to the village and told everyone else and the, 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 the word got back to the mayor and he, he rounded up a posse of people and they, uh, they, they followed a few things that uh, obviously he dropped. And, uh, they... they, they, they they went to the northern edge of the island looking for him, but uh, they didn't find anything. And that must have been a couple of weeks ago. And at this point, she does like break down into tears as she relives the the memory of it. So she knows it went to the north. That certainly seems to be what she's suggesting. Mm. Um, and we don't actually know where we're going. We don't know if we're going to the actual mall or because we need these lenses. Is, is the mall north? The actual moor itself is like a large sort of chasm at the very yep. centre of the island. And um. Just looking at this map, so it's well, the actual moor they're talking about is the, the beast moor here. So that's northwest, isn't it? Northeast. Mm. Northeast. Um. Well, can we get these glasses in exchange for going north rather than northeast? She, the, the woman sort of looks at you and she's like glasses yeah this fella here he's after a pair of glasses that your husband held she says oh you you mean it's a you mean it's a, it, that those are lenses he found when he was out uh, when he was out walking one morning oh he yeah, did, yeah he, he, he did seem very fond of them well he was uh he, he was wearing them when he was taken i mean it, it, as far as i'm concerned if you if you can 
if you can bring my husband back, then then damn the glasses, you can have them. Mm. He was wearing them. Went over. Maybe we speak to the mayor, see what they did find, if there was any tracks or trace of him or where he may have been taken to. We shall, um, we should, yeah, we shall continue to look for him. We'll speak to the mayor and see if there's any, anything that he can uh, help us with. Oh, thank, thank you. Anything you can do, I'd be, I'd be ever so grateful. <clears throat> and she wipes like a string of snot off her upper lip. Yeah, we should leave you um, these difficult times. Don't want to uh, upset you any more than you are already. And I sort of gesture the group away. Okay. Let's go and speak to the mayor, I feel. Okay. So you head up the up this hill to this slightly more well capped building. As you get there, you can see, you can see the whitewashed walls, etc looks in quite good nick and there's actually a few uh, villagers around although they're a strange sort of hunched sort of almost like deformed looking group of malcontents they appear to be like actually working on like painting the the building and sort of like repairing it and stuff they, they all seem quite happy they're like, more like hunch, got like sort of noticeable hunchbacks a couple of them have like the strange sort of hands like the fellow you saw before but they're all like smiling and whitewashing this building hmm. okay uh yeah just approach heading for the door see if anyone takes any notice N none of them like move to stop you they just like carry on with their, bu their business um I'll just knock on the door. Okay, you knock on the door and you're a voice from inside goes, Who is it? Uh, we'd like to speak to the mayor. My name is Brock Montan. Ah, well, you're in luck, Mr. Montan. I, Boaz Hewitt, are the mayor of Swinsmouth. Come in, man, come in. I was just about to have a spot of lunch. Okay, I'll try the door. The door opens, and it's effectively like a long house, you know, like a long central like chamber. There's quite a big table in here. There's various plates on it, and every plate has meat on it. At the far end of the table is probably one of the most ridiculously corpulent men you've ever seen. He's wearing like a dark green jacket and a sort of dirty grey curled wig perch on top of his bonts. He has probably about eight chins. His, his gut sort of hanging over onto the table. And as you're sort of walking in, he's like reaching out and basically like picking up a pork chop with his hand and he's like chewing on it. He, he gestures with a, a greasy speckled like fat hand at the at some chairs. He's like, sit down man, sit down. Yeah, I'll walk over. I won't bother sitting down. He says, uh, what is it I, the mayor of Swinsmouth, can do for you? 
Um, I believe a man was taken from your village a couple of weeks back. We we are looking for this this man. Oh yes, you must mean the unfortunate Mister Cooper. Yes. yes. Terrible business. Terrible business. He says as he like shovels a sausage into his face. Yes, we sent out parties looking for him. We, we some winged. He gestures around with like the half a sausage and splatters of grease fly everywhere. Yes, some terrible flying creature from the moor. We believe it's in some caves on the northern edge of the island. But we're my people aren't warriors. We're farmers and pig herders. Every man jack of us. And well, we, we don't have the manpower to, to challenge a beast that's capable of swooping down and plucking someone out of the village in the dead of night. So you didn't search for the man like his well, wife believes? We, well, we searched as much as we were able and we... We think we found the cave that he was taken to, but it seemed folly for me to risk the lives of other villagers when, given the amount of time that had passed, although it breaks my heart to say so, I think if if that creature had snatched Mr. Cooper, then it's probably too late for him already. It didn't seem much, much point in risking the lives of the good people of Flinsmouth on a false errand. Can you give us directions to this cave? Yes, yes, of course. If you could, if you could rescue him, I think it's a bit late for that. Uh, we would, of course, be very grateful. Uh, so yeah, I'll wait for the directions. Yeah, not a problem. He gives you directions to a a cave, which is he says lies about a day's travel to the north. It's on the northern coast. And he says, uh, Would you care for a sausage, Mr. Montaigne? No, and just he, the directions. He gestures at the groaning plates of meat. Yeah, he says, Well, it's about a day's travel to north of here if you follow the coastline line of the island then you should fight a a large cave system and that's where we track the beast to and he sort of gestures oh. with his half a sausage i look to the others i say time is it the f of the essence uh obviously no one of this town has got the guts to search for their own people so we will do the job and i'll just storm out Okay. While this conversation is going on, who's actually in the building? I suppose I would have gone with Brock. Okay. Yeah, Lana being there, obviously, as well. Okay. At this point, can I ask anyone who is in the building to make a save versus spells at a minus two penalty? Obviously, this is magic. Is this a magic spell, John? Yes, it is, yeah. Um, a magic spell? That's the worst mm. kind of spell. Oh, no. <laughs> so that is versus... Is this an... Did you say an additional minus two? Yeah. 
That's not great for me. Uh. <laughs> what is it? What is the difference versus? Why is it come up versus magic against roll? How do you mean? On the well, when you click on the same throw, it says roll or versus magic. So it, it takes into account your um, specific modifier derived from your wisdom. Yeah. You oh, okay. Which is my entire problem. Oh, okay. Oh, all right. Oh, that was good. All right, let me do uh, land as well. Okay, I think I've got situational two, and then I'll roll oh, versus magic. That's not so good. Yeah, no. No, none for me. Okay. I'm assuming because you've not rolled Quentin, you're not in the building. No, mate, at my side. Absolutely fine, not a problem. So, as you said, Brock, you pretty much go, well, time is of the essence, and you storm out. It takes you a few moments as you sort of like stalk out that you realise that like Weimar and Lan haven't followed you. Uh, yeah, so I just turn around and Lan, we've got to go. I just sort of turn around gesture. and look back in. You can see Weimar and Lan sort of chatting with the mayor, and they've both got the same sort of like slightly like dappy smiles on their face that you saw on the guys outside, like whitewashing the place. And the mayor is saying to to Weimar and Lan, he's like, "Tell me, you two, have you ever thought about uh, settling down somewhere? We could." We could use good, strong people like you in Swinsmouth. We're trying to build something here. A better way of life for people. And to Weimar and Land, that sounds like the most reasonable thing in the world. You're like, much as with the person earlier, you're like, yeah, I can see this. This guy sounds like he knows what he's talking about. So I'll, I'll be saying, as, as Brock is, no doubt, uh, getting within earshot, I'll be saying, like, no, yes, um, I I like a better life. Sounds great. As you sort of come back in and you hear this, Brock lands nodding and she says, uh, says um, yes, I agree with Wyman. I mean, my, my people have always been nomadic, but it would be nice to, to settle down and try and build something lasting. I'll just be standing. I'll say, Weimar, Lan, let's go. Don't talk to that fool. So he's got some very brilliant ideas on community building. Um, Brock, give it, give the man a chance. Lan's like, yes, one man's right. I mean, we're, if we're if we're talking about restoring the tribe, wouldn't it be nice to to be sort of on the ground as like the first people as something's being built up? I mean, you your friends have always talked about uh, how New Zealand was founded and. Obviously, with, with what happened, you weren't really there to see it grow. Maybe here's, here's an opportunity for us to get in on the ground floor and help help build something uh, here. You know, a, a wild, a wild savage frontier that our people could help tame. And you can see like a, a sort of, almost like a, a, a look of like slight madness in her eyes is the best way I can describe it. So she's like talking about like the best thing in the world. She's like enraptured with this like vision of building this community from scratch and they could make this island like the promised land Brock it would be a hogging good time well that's it 
that's it. That's, like, that's Brock's, crossed, Brock's like that's crossed the line. Nah, enough. Nah. <laughs> now, uh, now we now we've reached pun level zero. Now I know that there's something going on. If he's giving me that sort of that sort of line, uh, yeah, I I just storm in and just grab both of them and start dragging them out of the place. Okay, just come on. This is stupid. I'll just start dragging them. Okay, you start dragging them. So I'm going to ask Brock, can you make me a, a strength check for Lan? And Weimar, can you make me a strength check as well? So they're obviously resisting. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's good. She failed. Yeah. <laughs> Give me a second. I'm reopening that. Nope, I failed. <clears throat> okay, yeah, so they're trying to like resist a little bit. Like, oh, no, no, we want to listen to more. But you just like grab both of them by the scruff of the neck, like Brock, and like haul them out. Listen, into, Brock, it's the same the thing we're, so. we're trying to do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Lace is cursed. <laughs> you, you haul them out into the, the light of day. And after you've been like removed from like the mayor's presence for like. A few minutes, like the the sort of compulsion, so to speak, gradually like fades away, and you're like, oh yeah, don't get me wrong, you didn't say anything unpleasant, and like you you can think it was a good idea or not as you see fit, but like, and you don't really remember like oh Shazam, there was a spellcaster me or anything, but you you just like remember like oh I was really into that idea like a few minutes ago, like I was literally ready to like go and get my possessions and like settle in a hut here and start like building a new life whereas now you're like yeah i was a bit full-on when like it, it obviously strikes you as odd like some guys like oh do you want to settle on this weird like hog island and you were like yeah let's go hog town or bust and, and obviously quentin you see like brock go inside and let you hear exclamations and then you see him like literally come out like dragging like weimar and lana were like Oh no way! We want to hear more about this town. It's going to be, and then they sort of like, they're like, oh, and they look, they look a bit confused. And, and as you sort of like look over, why am I like coming back to yourself a bit? You see one of these like pudgy fellas like painting the the whitewash on the side of the house, and he's like, it's like nods and smiles at you while he's painting. Like, yeah. I'm just trying to think if Brock would put one and one together at this point or not. And it's really weird, so... You, you hear the pudgy voice of Mayor Boas Huey from inside go, Well, if you shall ever change your mind... Click of the possibility! Why, Ma, what was you thinking? What was going through your head? I guess I was just really happy to find someone else who's into building. I mean, it's a disgusting creature, wasn't he? I don't know. Lan's like looking a bit confused. He says, yeah, I, mean, I, I was seriously thinking about that we should settle down and start our family here. 
And she looks like equal parts, like confused and disgusted. Right. Well, I'll put this down to more of this curse and bloody magic. I'm not so sure I want to leave this this village standing. As you're saying that, more people. the mayor comes waddling out of the, the building. He's carrying a plate with like piled high with sausages. And he he, stop, he just nods at you all, walks around to the guys who are like doing the painting. And he's like, good job, man, good job, here you go. That'll like, perk you up a bit. And like, all the people are like grabbing a sausage and like eating as they're like, carrying on painting that. Like, smiling as like, like idiots as they're eating these sausages and painting these walls. <clears throat> and then he starts waddling back inside. I mean, has he got all the pig features of any description? He doesn't appear to have. However, as he like waddles oh. back inside, you notice that on his like voluminous pantaloons that he's wearing, sort of like on like the arse bit of his trousers, there's like a little lump where like his lower back would be, like in the trousers, like just a little bulge of the trousers, like some protruding a little bit underneath them. Mm. Like a pig's tail. Possibly. And then he waddles off back inside and shuts the door behind him. This place is definitely cursed. Uh, turn to Lan and Weimar. She's like a lancer, so... Yeah, yes, to be honest, husband, I, I won't be glad to see the back of this place. Sorry, I, I won't be sorry to see the back of this place. Hmm. It's weird that this place can sustain so much life. I don't know. I, it just feels so much more hopeful now that we've got all these settlements going about. Anyway, we needed to find the fella. Cooper, let's, uh, yeah, and I, I'm, I'm going to try and get my wife in this place as quick as possible. Walk as we talk. Yeah, absolutely fine. You know that the supposed lair of this winged creature or whatever it is that they describe is about a day's travel to the north. So are you planning on just like following their directions and heading straight there? Certainly to start with, until we get close. Um, probably uh, get a bit more cautious when we get nearby, since it sounded quite dangerous. Obviously, look to the skies if it's it's been described as a winged creature. Make okay. sure that his no lordship's problems. men are keeping an eye out at all times. Covering our backs. Definitely are. I'll be uh, struggling to comprehend what just happened while we while we're walking. Okay, so as you're you're travelling, you it starts getting later on into the evening, and if the directions are correct, like early next morning, you should see this cave. Are you pushing on? Are you camping for the evening? What's the plan? Hmm. What do we think? Do we think uh, this thing might come out at night time? It might be not in the cave where we might get a chance to 
sneak in and have a look, or do we want to go during the day to be on the safe side? I was thinking whatever has happened to this person, they probably have a limited amount of time. Well, yeah, but two weeks is it's probably long gone by now. If yeah. if this creature was using him as food, then I think it's mm. beyond that point, unfortunately. I guess in in this case, Quentin, uh, it's probably going to be down to you. Do you want to go um, ranging about forward at night? Maybe in the hopes that we'll find wherever we're going and it'll be empty because the this creature is going to be out hunting and we can root around in the lair, hopefully undisturbed. Or do we want to go everyone all together at daylight? What do you think, Quentin? Uh, I'm happy to go and have a look around in the dark. Alright, so we should set up somewhere you can find us. Closer. Uh, probably somewhere a bit more sheltered than what you are. Mm. Is there much in the... coming out the air, then... Yeah. Is there much in the way of cover? Tree cover, or...? There's, there's like, rocky outcroppings. Not much in the way of trees, though, to be honest. No. As long as we can press against something, as long as we have at least one wall. Okay. Well, let's get closer. Make as good a time we can to get into a good position before night falls, and then set ourselves up somewhere where we can set base. I recommend you don't have a fire. If you do, have it away from you. No, we'll go without. I think that's probably a better idea. Okay, you set up camp for the evening, and uh, obviously you've got Taglaroni's men keeping watch as well. So, Quentin, are you going to like range a bit ahead and not like, scout out this place? Is that the plan? Or yeah, I'm going to hide in the shadows, sneak like a ninja. Go for it and make your roll. Bear with me whilst the yeah, it's fine. thing reloads. If it's taking too long, I can always roll it for you if you want. Yes, mate, go for it. Okay. So you're doing your hiding shadows. Yeah. Is that a connection? It'll probably work now. <laughs> okay. So you creep a little bit further to the north than your fellows who are setting up their camp. And indeed, like a few, sort of, maybe like an hour's travel beyond where they've set up camp you find what appears to be on the very northern edge of the island a large sort of grey stone cave you can see there's like moss and like fungus growing around the outside of it and you're like oh this must be the place you're like obviously using as much of the rocks for cover and the shadows as you can 
as you move closer to it you can actually see that on the sort of outside of the cave just on like the entrance to it there's like a a patch of dried blood it looks like it's like a splatter of it on the outside of the cave it's obviously dried but it's got that sort of dull like browny red color and as you're sort of like looking around there's a, a smell of like rot damp vegetation coming from inside the cave and you think you hear like the sound of like some small like stones or pebbles falling like further in the cave you don't hear any other suspicious sounds as you sort of like listen at the entrance but as you look around you actually see a sort of embedded in the moss like it's fallen there is a single silver piece no glasses then no <laughs> damn I'll have a look at this silver piece I'm not going to pick it up because this place is weird yeah you look at it it's just like a a standard sort of silver piece it looks like it maybe like fell from a height because it's like embedded itself in like the moss and it's like sticking up okay, I'll, I'll get one of my bandages and just see if I can pull it out it takes takes a little bit of gentle persuasion, but yeah, you manage to pull it out. That's not a problem. You can see there's like a few again, like speckles of like dried blood on the silver piece, but it looks like a normal like silver coin. Okay, I shall now gently sneak away from the cave because I can't see a damn thing in the dark. Yep, no problems. You return back to your fellows who by now have got the the camp set up. They're also settling down, sorting out watches and whatever and you return back to them. Over to you guys. I found a piece of silver. Uh, I found a cave. It's a dark cave. I don't really fancy shining a light in front of the dark cave. Any noise? Just some pebbles and general mm. things. It could be something mm. moving around. But I can't see into the darkness do we want to wait for daylight or do we go in with my sword well we, we could fire some flaming arrows into it first see if we could see anything mm. but mm. you're still going to bring it out aren't you mm. yeah I was hoping it might not be there that was my hope It's definitely dry blood by the entranceway. Well, we either go in with lights or we wait for daylight. We may as well go now, we're all here. Bryce, um, do we sneak in uh, with minimal light? and then hope to use that to our advantage or do we i suppose reconnoiter with burning arrows oh yeah i'm always in favor of sneaking around but we're still going to have a light source of us aren't we yeah i don't know how much We'll get for how far we'll get into the cave before we'll lose light completely from the here's what we can do moon etc we can send Weimar in 
and stay just outside of the light and hope this thing can't see in the dark as in the light from the sword from the sword yeah he's in full plate armor it'll be all right yeah i mean no that's down to weimar really <laughs> yeah yeah let's go so you'll be uh skulking about after yeah. me yeah. all right so that's the plan uh we we're, we're gonna try with no further light sources we're gonna try and get to the cave entrance uh weimar is gonna go in yeah what how much light does it give off the sword uh, yes a, a lot <laughs> yes yeah but i mean is it like 60 foot or 100 foot it's, or... it's like 100 foot right so we'd be quite far behind you then <laughs> well you could always stay just inside so why mars between you and whatever decides to come and eat the light okay well we'll um yeah i work best behind the light okay well we'll have um we'll have torches on these uh these 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 guys i'll have at least one or two torches sort of prepped ready in case something goes torches. wrong yeah okay well let's give it a go then i shall escort weimar okay so weimar you start making your way into this cave that's as i've described it you head into what appears to be a large cavern it's full of a bewildering variety of moss and various like moldy smelling fungi growing around the edges of it at the far end you can see illuminated by the light of the sun sword there appears to be like a sort of steep like rise of about five or ten feet where the the cave levels sort of elevate slightly and you can just sort of see over the lip of it that the cave obviously continues in that direction forward I guess okay no problems so yeah so you carry on moving forward you get to this this lip of this raised floor as I've described it like say it's like five or ten feet up it'll take a little bit of climbing the yeah. as you sort of start climbing your way up looking beyond it you see what appears to be an area of like cracked uneven looking floor beyond it again it rises up a short distance beyond that again in a sort of like stepped formation you can see a, a few small like pebbles fall from like the ceiling of the cavern and sort of like clatter to the to the floor presumably the sound that quentin heard earlier What do you want to do? So, was the intention that Brock's here as well? Yeah, yeah, I'm coming with you. Yeah, so... Because, I mean, you're making enough noise, so... Mm. Might as well go with the two of us. Mm. Yeah, so I'll, I'll turn to Brock and... Whisper, okay, so what do you, what do you think? How, how, how do you think we should proceed? Well, what if we can't go stealthily with this this sword 
and the armor. So I think we just got to push on and hope that this creature might not be in its lair. It might be out hunting or looking for food. Uh, if we see any signs of anything, we'll we'll fall back to the group. Um, we'll listen out as we go as well, obviously, because depending if there's sort of corridors and that, we might get a bit of advance warning from sounds and such. Nice. Okay. Well, here here goes. I'll I'll get the shield. I'll get the sun sword. Mm -hmm. And in we go. I I gesture for Brock to you know follow behind me so that if something's coming it'll get the shield first and me i mean is 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 this like a really high ceiling in this cave or is it it's pretty high yeah yeah so the thing could fly around if yeah if it was it a flying thing yeah okay you both haul yourself over this small rise and you start making your way across this cracked sort of area of flooring as you move the the sort of rocks on the floor like crack and creak ominously as you move across them but other than that nothing untoward happens as you continue following the, the sort of cave system around there's a couple of moments where you, you step on the floor and you see like cracks spreading out from where you've trod but the floor doesn't appear to give way and you keep moving across it you continue further into the cave until you reach a point where the ground once more drops down about 20 feet in front of you a very steep drop and as you peer over it in the light cast by the sun sword it's like why am i holding it out in front of him like a torch as you peer down this steep drop you can see what appears to be a a field of bones some unmistakably human so carpeting the floor of the cavern just beyond this drop. Um, how much is the drop? 20 feet. I think we should um, put a rope down at least. Yeah, I'll, I'll actually, I'm, I'm already doing that. So uh, I'll get my uh, grappling hook, uh, find a place for it, and I'll, I'll get the, the rope of it, start unspooling it, and I'll hold it out towards Brock. It's best that you take this. Uh, I'm not as good as I once was with this, so maybe you go down, I'll keep watch. And I'll, I'll join you if things kick off. Uh, can we see the whole cavern with the light? You, from can, here? you can indeed. And nothing other than the bones scattered about? You don't see any obvious signs of there being any sort of creature in here or anything like that at the mm. moment and we have a quick listen before I sort of start down this rope yep you have a listen again you hear like various small pebbles falling from the ceiling but you don't hear anything that gives you the thought you're in imminent danger no other exits or not that you can anything see from this okay all right well i'll scramble down this then i'll get on with it Seems it seems to be empty. I'm going to push on as quick as I can. Okay, you sort of like hammer the the rope in. You both head down it, and you're greeted with the like grim crunching of your feet as your boots make contact with this carpeting of bone at the bottom of the drop. 
looking for any signs of clothing or flesh or anything that's a bit more recent, as grim as it might sound. Okay, you search around. Like I say, it's quite grim, grisly work turning over these bones, etc. But eventually you do come across the body of a slightly pudgy man. He appears to be very dead, missing a shoe. There appears to be like large chunks of flesh have been eaten out of him. He's lying face down like on top of the pile of bones. Okay. Uh, well, yeah, unfortunately it's too late for him, but I'll see if he's got these, these lenses or glasses. Okay, you start searching the body. You find twi- a pouch with like 20 copper pieces still attached to his belt. And sort of like underneath his body, perhaps where they've fallen, wedged in between two bits of bone from one of the animals, you do indeed find a small pair of round spectacles. This this looks like what we we've come for. So let's let's get out of here. I'll experimentally, John. I'll uh, with the sun sword in my hand. I'll I'll think at it, and I'll like point it down at the the bone floor. I guess. Um, is is there anything alive there that thinks? The the voice of the the sword in your head says, "Well, I'm." I'm not spotting anything. I don't think so. It's just like a load of uh, bones to me. Wonderful. I, I don't suppose you uh, you sense the presence of the night blade. No, no. I'm well. No more than usual. No. Not here. No, no. Well, well, yeah, believe well, me, well, I'd know well, if it was in these caves. No, I just thought to check. Um. Brock, yeah, let's go. Yeah, so we'll we'll push on back up the rope as quick as we can. Yep, not a problem. You grab the the rope, you head back up it, you start making your way back out of the cave, and within no time at all, you emerge from the mouth of the cave. I see Quentin sort of still stood there at the mouth with the guards, etc. You walk out into the light, into the the night, basically. Yeah, and into the scabbard, the sword goes. Yeah, instantly the the light is extinguished. Uh, yeah, let's head back to the camp, and we shall uh, discuss on the way in case this creature comes back to its lair. Yeah, we need to skedaddle. Okay, so you you head back to the camp. Are you settling down for the evening, or? Uh, yeah, once we get back, I'll show these these lenses to this guy and see if he knows what to do with them. Or T- Tagleroni like look, looks like really confirms. excited, like his hands shaking. He's that excited, and he sort of takes takes them off you and puts them on. Then he, he sort of, you seem to sort of like look around like wide eyed, and then he's like his gaze falls on Weimar, and he's like, "Oh my word." And he, he sort of like he, he takes off the glasses and he holds them out to uh, to you, Brock, and he's like, have, "Have a look at that." Uh, what is it? And I just grab hold of them. Okay. Why don't I just push, put them over my eyes? Is that what I do? Yes, yes. Just 
rest that bit on the bridge of your nose there and look through the lenses. Okay, and he sort of points at Weimar. Okay, now when you put these lenses on and you look at Weimar, if you've ever seen like a black light when it causes certain things to like fluoresce, when you look at Weimar through the lenses, like his sword is like, even though it's in the scabbard, is like glowing like it's fluorescent. Like there's this like bright green light coming out of it. Like when you like look over the top of the glasses, nothing. Through the glasses, bright green light coming out of his sword. Mm. Uh, yeah, I'll hand them back to this guy. You start to hand them back to Tagarani, just you're about to take them off. Your gaze happens to fall on Quentin, and you can see that the the curved dagger that he acquired earlier is also glowing in a similar fluorescent way. Uh, my friend here is he's got some strange sword, as you've already witnessed. He says, "Well, uh, it." Tagarani sort of gestures as, as he takes the glasses off you, and he says, uh, and, "And he sort of offers them out to you, why more?" In case you want to have a look, basically. Yeah, I'll I'll take a peek. Yeah. Yep. You put them on, and as I've described previously, your sword, Quentin's new knife, they're all sort of glowing brightly. And in fact, anything you look at that is magical has this like fluorescent green glow about it. And Tagler, you can hear as you're looking at, it, you can hear Tagleroni in the background talking to Brock, saying, "Well, that this would make a certain sense. I mean, after all, if we." If we believe the legends that the that the ancient stone was supposed to absorb ambient magical energies, uh, perhaps somehow these these lenses allow you to perceive those those energies, and that that creates the strange sort of light that we're seeing. Yes, R -r remarkable. You think this will lead us to your stone? He says, "Well, uh, if as the legends say, during the nights of the colorless fire, that the larger stone." exploded throwing chunks of it throughout the island perhaps there are small traces or some such that this these lenses would enable us to see mm. well we shall we shall see uh we shall see what tomorrow brings let's get back to the camp and uh uh and obviously we'll mention to Quentin, that that dagger that you took from that crazy man on the boat seems to have some sort of, well, potentially special powers, similar to Weimar's sword. And as you're saying that, in the darkness of the of the night sky, distant but getting louder, you hear. And against the, the twinkling stars, you see what appears to be a large, dark shape in the air, sort of slowly getting nearer. Oh, wow. uh, are we near the camp, or...? Yeah, yeah, at? you're at the camp now. All oh, right. Um, well, I assume we've chosen this camp because we've got some sort of... Or rocks or indeed of some sort so we take shelter as best as we can I mean. yeah you specifically said you were looking for somewhere with cover so that's absolutely fine you 
you take shelter in the camp, sort of taking cover as best you can. Obviously, Quentin's giving you a bit of advice on you know where best to use cover, etc. And you hear whatever this large flapping creature is appears to pass directly over your camp, heading in the direction of the cave system that you explored earlier. Maybe fifteen minutes later, so as I said, the the caverns like maybe an hour or two to the north of your campsite, you hear uh, a horrible, like high pitched, like screeching noise coming from, like, still quite faint, but obviously coming from the caves. Then you hear what sounds like the the squealing of perhaps a pig or some sort of animal that's very loud and discordant against the otherwise quiet night, and then suddenly the the sound just cuts off. That's what the noise was. Ways of its food. Yeah. Mm. And after that, everything seems to go quiet again. Did we did we see like the outline? How big it was, or what sort of? Roughly, so about well, pretty about the same size as you broke. To be honest. Okay, so it's not like um like the worm thing that we encountered. No, it's, it's 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 big, but it's roughly human size. Okay. But you can tell by it's obviously got quite large wings. You can tell by the loud like beating of the wings as it flew over. Hmm. Yeah, still don't want to mess with it if you don't need to. Seems to be quite happy eating the pigmen and stuff. Hmm. Okay, what's the plan, guys? I'm going to look at this dagger a little bit carefully. <laughs> Yep, you look at the dagger. As I say, it's a curved silver dagger with these leaf and sort of branch motifs etched on it. Looks like a dagger to me, Brock. Maybe one for cutting throats, but... Mm. Well, have a look through these strange uh, glass things. Okay. Let's see what I saw. Yeah, if you you peer through these lenses, when you look at the dagger, there appears to be this like fluorescent green glow coming from it. But only when you've got the lenses on. Oh, hey. <laughs> it's a glowy with glasses like. <laughs> but if you look at Weimar's sword, you know, it's the same thing, isn't it? Yeah, Weimar's sword all through the lenses also has a similar glow, that it's much brighter on the sword than on your knife. Anyway, I just warn you, it's some sort of magic. Yeah, Brock can't help but like a little bit of a snare comes into his voice when he uses the word Doesn't magic. Doesn't Brock actually have a magical item? Does he have like a ring of protection or something? No! It's an ancient um, blessing of the gods. The ice magic, gods. <laughs> In your eyes, maybe. You see, sort of like Lan starts to get like a, as this like banter's going on. Lan gets this look on her face, like moves behind Brock, so she's about to start doing the like, leave it, Brock, it's not worth it. <laughs> I 
uh, I'll, I'll just end that conversation and tend to some uh, some business that doesn't need tending to. Does it glow though? <laughs> it does. <laughs> yeah, as I say, anything uh, anything magical, blessing of the gods or not, glows. Critical much. That's the tribe's protector you talk of. It's not some childish magical item. Witchcraft. It's glowing in these glasses. Enough of this foolish talk. Need to rest. Tomorrow's going to be a trying day, as is this evening. We need a bard. <laughs> okay, so you guys rest up for the evening. Obviously, anyone who's down hit points, you can get D3 hit points back. Finally caught up. The once we're all okay. Yeah, finally caught up. <laughs> right now, obviously, we're we're still having like issues with the VTT guys. Obviously, your your next. Presumably, your next thing for this is trying to find this place using the lenses. Do you guys want to push on this evening with the the VTT wrapping, or do we want to call it here and then like pick that up next time with potentially a slightly different method of doing it? Wait, I'm not problem bothered by the issues, to be honest. Yeah, I'm, no. just, I'm just thinking potentially like it's it's more important for you to be able to like see the map and whatever when you're like effectively like going into a dungeon than it is when we're just sort of like doing the travelling and stuff like that, but it's up to you guys. Well, see what happens if you load the dungeon up, if it doesn't load, then... Okay. We'll see how, we'll see how we get on. We'll, we'll suck it and see, as I say. So, the next morning, you guys wake up, you're all refreshed. What's the plan? Follow um, the uh, magic eyeglasses. Yeah, I mean, he's... He hasn't really got a, a route, but we're assuming it's the mall. Do they have different types of lenses that slot in and out, or is it just... No, it's just a set of spectacles. Although you do notice after a bit of experimentation, Quentin, that it only actually appears to be like the left lens that has like the effect on it. You haven't really noticed before, because you're obviously looking through both of them, but when yeah. you sort of like shut your left eye... It looks normal through the right lens. Mm. Like you can't see the glow, but then when you look through the other, you can see the glow. So it's only like one of the lenses in this set of spectacles has this strange effect on it. And as you're sort of examining them a bit more closely, because I see you're looking at them, you can actually see that, like, although it's clear glass in the right hand lens, there's actually a very faint green tint to the glass in the left lens. Like, so very faint that, like, without really looking at it in the light of day, you wouldn't have spotted it. So we only need the left lens. That's good to know. Uh, uh, Tagler only says that. Well, uh, if this, uh, if this, uh, this unfortunate fellow said that he was going to, uh, he was going to uh, show uh, Templeton the way from the village. Uh, perhaps we should start there. Oh God, not that place again. Well, we can we can go near, but I don't suggest we go back into that cursed place. 
No, I've, I, no, but it's, it's, it's a strange place. I'll, I'll give you that, says Tagoroni. I don't really quite know what to make of it, if I'm honest. Cursed. Okay, so you guys head back to the outskirts of the village. And you start sort of like scouting around the outskirts using these lenses. And after maybe a few hours, so like it's sort of like just getting near noon, you spot through the lenses what appears to be a very faint sort of trace running away from the village to the northeast. It almost appears to be like a sort of trace of like dust or like little speckles of like glowing green that appears to lead down between some rocks as you sort of like follow it down you see there's like a path like a hidden path heading down there that you wouldn't have spotted otherwise unless you've been following this trail of like green speckles almost as Tagleroni had suggested that when this this stone was like blown apart or whatever it's left like one of the fragments has left like a trail of dust on the ground like embedded in the very rocks and these like this lens is like picking it up wow is he wearing the glasses is he yeah but if any of you guys uh ask he's quite happy for you to have a look for him oh no i'm happy for him to lead we'll let him lead whilst we keep an eye out for any any trouble yeah if anyone gets taken it'll be him wouldn't it <laughs> okay, no problems. So, you head down this concealed pathway, eventually reaching the very edge of this huge chasm, the moor itself. This, just this abyss, it just seems to drop down steeply into darkness below. Like, you couldn't even guess how deep it must be. As you're sort of walking, a few like rocks crumble and fall into the into the abyss. You wait for a while to see if you hear the sound of them hitting the bottom, but you don't hear anything. As you follow the edge around, following Taglaroni, who's like looking through this lens, you reach what appears to be a you round the corner and sort of half built in this almost like it had been pushed into the side of this chasm is what appears to be the remains of some sort of ancient stone building. There is a large sort of stone, couple of stone plinths serving as a doorway, a sort of artificial cave mouth, if you will. There are, it looks like it was probably once quite a a well-made building. You can see like, as you look at it, like flecks of what looked to be maybe like white paint, sort of clinging to the the remnants of this stone portal above it faded but still visible if you examine it is what appears to be a a crude carving of a a large snake or serpent but it appears to have like feathers around its neck but like i said it looks to be quite faded and worn away Has your, is, is, sorry, go ahead. I, was, I was just going to say, is this green stuff, is it getting like deeper and more prominent and 
more obvious now as we're getting closer. It is, yeah. Yeah. So we're on the right track. As you're heading alongside this chasm, there's there's a strong wind buffeting the side of this abyss, almost as though it's like sucking the very breath of the world down into the depths below. You're all sort of like pressed up against the side, sort of edging your way along it. As as you're going, like Taglaroni and his men, etc. As you're making your way along, one of the uh, one of the men turns around and he says, "Oh, Mister Taglaroni, I think I've seen up ahead." It and then a gust of wind just like catches him and just whips him off the edge into this chasm. And he says, "Oh, Mister Taglaroni, I think I found this." And he just like plummets down into this abyss and is gone. We better um, tie ourselves together. Okay. Rope time. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, so you spend a bit of time roping yourselves together. You say yes. buffeted by these strong winds, but you seem to be doing okay for the moment. Presumably you're continuing to make your way around. I'm gonna I'm gonna get a dagger out as well. And if I feel like any sort of gust or something, I'm going to sort of stick it into the rock face as well to try and sort of anchor me as well. If, okay. If help. The, the winds are still strong, but you managed to make your way around without anyone else being like whipped off into the abyss. Although there's a few moments where the wind gusts particularly strongly, like I say, as though it's almost like a vortex, like it's been pulled down into this more like a, a great beast sort of breathing in and inhaling all of this air, this wind sort of spiralling around. There's a few moments where it sort of like pulls at your clothing, etc. And you have to like redouble your grip on the, the rocks. But you reach this stone portal. As I said, it, it, it's open. It's just like two large stones with like a, a sort of a stone piece across the top of them. And you peer into a cavern beyond which continues for maybe about 30, 40 feet. And then at the end of that chasm, you can see what appears to be a large sort of piece of stone that blocks any further path into this cave system. Again, it has serpentine motifs carved onto it, but they're very worn away. As we get closer to the door, do we not get this sort of drag of the, the wind pulling us? As you as edge? you move into the caves, the wind, because you're sheltered, like the wind fades away a bit, so you're not in such danger from it. All right, get everyone in there as quick as possible. Yeah, no problem. As you're looking at the doorway, as you head in, you can see that the actual, like, stone door, for want of a better term, isn't actually attached to something. It's like it's just been, like, pushed into the into the passageway effectively it's not got any like hinges on it it's just like a big block of stone all right hmm. well it's going to be one of them give you blood to enter moments i mean is it is it got any of this weird writing that we've encountered before sort of around the edge of it or anything 
as you look around you can actually see there are some very faded glyphs carved around the edge of this large stone door i'll look at quentin can you make any of this out you hold on to the rope and i'll go and look do you want me to make the language roll for you uh i don't think i have to it's automatic I can't remember how it works, I'll be perfectly honest. Let me just have a quick look. Read languages. No, you do need to roll for it. Yeah. Oh no, can, yeah, 80% probability. There right. you go. Here we go. Oh, unfortunately, no. Because I rolled a natural 100. Not a clue. The only the only thing you can make out is like the, the phrase Great Serpent. But you can't make out the rest of it. Something about a serpent on there. Yeah. Uh, give me a bit longer. Maybe I can have another read. But quick glances about getting blown down a hole. Serpent. Oh yes, uh, Malcolm is positively vibrating at the chance of spending some more time with this. So I think we'll we'll have plenty of chances for this. Um, can we see how? How sort of deep this stone is? Can we see sort of round the edge of the door, or whatever we're calling it? You you can't really see round the edge of it. It's been pretty firmly wedged in, and it's quite a substantial piece of stone. Right. What sort of height are we are we talking? Six seven foot. Oh, that's man size. And it's just one piece, one solid piece of stone, yeah. Um, well, I'll, I'll sort of just try and maneuver it, see if it'll come towards me or push away from me, just see what sort of resistance there is. And... Okay, make me an open doors roll. Oh, okay. Uh, open doors, oh, there it is. Okay, so with your mighty strength, you heave, I mean, it's not quiet, but you heave this stone slab out of the way, revealing beyond what appears to be a worked stone passageway that appears to break off to the left and the right as you look through the door. It obviously looks like this hasn't been opened for quite some time, I take it. Well, as you look around, you can actually see that like, there's no like coating of dust or anything in here. And as you sort of like, examine the floors, etc. and stuff like that, you can actually see what appear to be maybe claw marks. Sort of like dug into the actual stone. Mm. So maybe they blocked this up to stop people getting in but there's another way in or out another part of the wherever this place might be um, and the uh, the spectacles are obviously leading in through this way they are indeed 
Um, I'm going to cautiously step through and see if if these uh, spectacles tell us like left or right, as it were. As you any... as you sort of step in and you look through the lens, there appears inside here there is pretty much a sort of even coating of the dust everywhere, so it doesn't give you a specific direction. Okay. So what do we think? As you're sort of looking to the left and right, you can see that the passageway to the left appears to sort of bend round and head to the north, whereas the passageway to the right appears to head straight for about 40 feet before sort of bending round and heading north, but also about halfway down it, there is like a, another passageway breaking off to the north. Uh, and are we in the dark at this point, or...? You're not completely in the dark, because now you've moved the stone, there is light coming through from the outside. But the more you're going in, like the dimmer it's getting. There's no light inside, obviously. There doesn't appear to be, no. no. Okay. So, do, do you want to use the sword as a light source, or should we use torches for a bit more concealed, smaller? So Maybe radius. go with the torches for now. Okay. Um... I'll see if uh, we can get one of these men to light up a torch. Yeah, no problems. One of the one of Taglaroni's men lights up a torch. There's we'll a have probably two actually. Yeah. One near the front and back. No problems. They light them up in like a dim glow of the amber light from these flickering torches spreads out over the the passageways you're looking down. Now that there is a light, as you look down the passage to the right which as I say, about halfway down, there's like another passageway to the north. You can see that, again, there's like another one of these stone blocks sort of blocking off that passageway. And, uh, no hinges or anything similar again? No. However, on this one, as you sort of like peer at it in the flickering light of the torches, you can see like claw marks on the edge of it, like whatever sort of like put it in there, had like claws and just sort of like <laughs> jammed it in and they've actually marked the edge of the stone. And all this stonework and that, is that something I've ever seen before? Does it look like particularly ancient or...? It does look very old, yeah, but it was obviously built to last since mm. it's obviously been here for quite some time. And this wasn't something that Weimar saw last time he was here? This weren't part of the original aisle, was it? No. That no. building in the centre? Don't think so. Okay. Um, try and read this writing again, and then. Um, okay, well, strange... I can see you've made a, a second roll, which was a success. So that's fine. Okay, so as you're as you sort of like you look at it, cause there's some more writing on this other stone, and sort of cross-referencing the two, it basically says, "If you be a true worshipper of the Great Serpent, then drink full deep of His Majesty." But beware of false prophets or greedy seekers of power, for the god of winds will show no mercy. That sounds like a place of chaos to me. I think this is one of the old gods. So, I'm going to go first in an interesting turn of events. Okay. By all means, I'll stand to one side. <laughs> because I think I've I'm a bit more able to look for problems and traps. Um, 
if we need a massive door opening, Brock, you're definitely the guy. Okay, lead on. Okay, so which which passageway are you heading down? The one to the east or the one to the west? You say that it's an ambient kind of green mist now. Yes, it's like speckles like on the floor and the walls. Okay, so uh, let's go north. Okay, so are you going to head to the western passage, which goes round to the north, or are you going to yeah. head down the eastern passage, which also We're going to go west? Okay. So you start heading down the western passage. I like the pet shop boys. Indeed, life is peaceful there. And as you as you sort of make your way down, you see it appears to sort of like jink and move at angles, but it's continuing to the north. As you move further down it, you see to your left so to the west there is what appears to be a small sort of chamber but most of it appears to have like collapsed like part of the ceiling is obviously like crumbled away and there's just like rocks littering it you have a peak in there but there doesn't appear to be anything particularly noteworthy in the room so we're in guys Let's keep searching. Okay. Yeah. So you continue to the north following this passageway. And again, you reach a another passage that heads off to the west. This one, there appears to be some stone, like crumbling stone stairs that sort of head downwards in this passage to the west. And sort of peering down them, looking beyond, you see what appears to be a small chamber and it appears there appears to be like water or liquid of some kind, sort of in the chamber, like it's maybe flooded or something like that. Okay. I'm going you... to have a peek down there. If you hear screaming, come running. Yeah. Okay, not a problem. You hand it down into it, and as you're heading down these stairs, you can see that presumably the stairs wouldn't slide to like the floor of this chamber. That you're now going into but the the room's basically like half flooded you can see through the sort of dim dusty murky water that the floor of the of the chamber the sort of like crumbling stone floor you sort of guesstimate that like if you were stood in it it'd probably come up to like your chest the water okay i'll go back up there okay so it's chest height if this continues going down we're going to be underwater for in no time at all. The it's only because you went down those stairs, though, isn't it? Yeah, the the passageway to the north doesn't appear to be underwater. Yes, but what I'm saying is, if we have to go down, we're going to be underwater, judging by that. Uh, how how uh, far down did you go down steps? How far down was that, John? To the bottom. Uh, about about ten ten feet. Oh, not far. Oh, okay. But they were like fairly steep steps, so obviously it was heading yeah. down. Okay. So we're going north for now, but mm. yeah, we just have to see something to be weary of, especially if you're wearing metal. Okay, you continue to the north, and the passage curves around and starts heading in an eastern direction. And continuing to follow that around, you arrive at basically what looks to have once been a crossroads. 
To the east of you, however, the, the ceiling has completely collapsed, blocking off any further travel in that direction. Looking to the south, you can see a, a corridor stretching ahead, maybe 10, 20 feet. It appears to also have like a chamber on either side of it. Again, another crossroads. No, this this uh, blocked up passageway. Yep. Yeah. Is the to sort of there? Is the door on this side or the other side? Sorry, how do you mean? Blocked, which side's it been blocked up from? This the side we're on, or the side the other side to where we are? Here, it just looks like the the ceiling's collapsed. Okay. I just wondered if it was just where we'd been. <laughs> no, <laughs> the no. start, and it's like, oh, we found a shortcut home. <laughs> but uh, as you sort of move to the crossroads, again to the north of you, you can see another stone door. Although this one actually looks like it's in its original setting; it's not just been like shoved there. Okay, so you guys just let me know if you need to go into one of these rooms. I don't know. We're looking for the dark sword. Oh, I can take a look. It's, it's worth it because we don't know if we're any closer. So we have to go all the way down to the bottom. So I'll I'll go over here. Okay, no problems. You head to the crossroads, and looking to the east and west, you can see two chambers, and then to the south, again, there's another set of stairs heading downwards, and you can again see water at the bottom of this flight of stairs. The chamber to the east and west of you, as you look into them, sort of like in the flickering light, you can see that in each of them is a, a quite, in quite good condition, stone statue of what appears to be a tall, muscular man holding a spear. On the sculpture, he has like a sort of, appears like a serpentine headdress on and then like a ruff of feathers around his neck each of the statues looks pretty much identical and around the the base of the statue you can see glinting in the torchlight what appears to be a pile of silver and gold coins around both of them i will throw that silver piece in the you throw the silver piece into one of the piles. It chinks loudly, dislodging some of the coins. I'll follow up into... Which room did you toss it in? Because I'll follow in... Uh, I've gone for this one. Right, so I'll head down the stairs and uh, shield up. I'll have the, the torchbearer <laughs> follow uh, behind me, and I'll, I'll take a look in the room itself. Anything else in there aside from the offerings and the statue? Doesn't appear to be, no. Hmm. Hmm. Has anybody ever seen a statue come to life? I'm just wondering because we've had bodies and vampires and dragons. I, I don't know that statues have a, have been a thing. We've had... had a trees. golem, didn't you? You had yeah, a golem. The, the trees Walking. and stones, but not nothing like this. Yeah. In that tower, not. Oh, I don't think that was. I don't think that was Brock's time, but that walking metal golem thing. But not a statue, I don't think. 
cat just wondered because you know we've seen some shit. Yeah. Mm. So I'll. What does the statue? What is it made of? Can we tell? It's made of stone. You can also stone. see some flecks of like the white pigment on it, like they were once painted white, but it's long mm. since crumbled and fallen away. Mm. All right, well, uh, let's go check the other one. So I'll, I'll pop into this one. Yeah, no problems. You head into the other chamber. It looks pretty much the same. A large pile of like votive offerings, for want of a better term, and a very similar statue. It's the same pose. The two statues are basically like facing each other, so like looking at each other mm -hmm. across this this passageway. Both sort of stood there holding spears. With this large ruff of feathers and this like serpentine headdress. Well, um, uh, Quentin, do you want to check out the, uh, the stairs? The yeah. last last ones. Mon okay, so Quentin, you head down to down the stairs. And beyond that, you can make out a couple of chambers that likewise appear to be sort of like deeply underwater. Okay. More water. Hmm. Is there any kind of statue or anything in there? or There doesn't appear to be in these rooms, no. However, as you're, as you're peering into the first of the chambers, the one that's labelled uh, Flooded Room on the map, you you think you maybe see like the, the glinting of gold under the water? I'm going into the room, guys. So, uh, you know, be prepared. Do you stand wanna, on the stairs? Do Do you want a rope? Yeah, yeah, that'll be a good idea. So I'll um I'll give the grappling hook end to Quentin. Yeah, no problem at all. So you make your way down the the flight of stone stairs into the flooded room. Again, the water comes up to your chest yeah you can as you sort of like peer into the water you can see there's like a smattering of like gold coins under the water on the floor here okay i shall go further into the water room okay no problem at all is that still downward it's on the same level okay Yep, not a problem. You head in here. You don't see any gold on the floor in here, but likewise, it is uh, it is full of this sort of stagnant, horrible smelling water. However, as you look to the east, you can see there appears to be like another exit from this this chamber. A small flight of stairs heading up out of the water, and it appears to again lead to like another crossroads and there's a chamber beyond it okay I'll, I'll just shout back then come through 
Right. I guess we'll muddle through. Yep. Okay. As you all make your way out of the, the water room up the small flight of stairs, you look to the south, so to your right, and as you do, you realise that this must be heading back to the area that you originally came from. But as you look down there now, you can see like the the large sort of stone that was blocking the way previously now appears to just be lying on the floor. Uh, and, when you, and when you say lying on the floor, what, away from us or towards? Is, have they gone out or in? If you know it's sort of I mean. like lying on the floor here. Like someone's, someone from this side has just like pushed it This forwards. side has gone through it. Yeah. Yeah. So we've disturbed someone then, potentially. And we didn't hear it, did we? Nope. You'd have Going thought... Back to the Stone Guardian people. You'd have thought a big bit of stone like that would have made some noise, wouldn't you? If someone's pushed it over. As you peer into this chamber here, you can see that this chamber looks to have been occupied recently. There are like the bones of numerous animals, pigs, etc. in there. There's signs of waste products, shit, etc. So like just everywhere. It smells utterly foul in there. I think I'm going to have a look at that store, uh, stone doorway, see if I can see any signs of any sort of sort of foot, um, claw marks or whatever we're saying that are on the floor and such. Indeed, you sort of look at the back of it, which is obviously like now face up because it's been pushed out, and you can indeed see like claw marks or something with claws has just gone <laughs> and pushed it out onto the floor. So look out into the corridor. Can I see any claw marks going either way? Indeed, you can see claw marks heading in this direction. Back the way we just come. Yep. I shall point it out to the others then. Well, if we go back the other way, we can head off whatever it is, can't we? Possibly. I'd rather not have something with giant claws in the Achilles. Yeah, I'm just wondering if it's going to keep following us and... Yeah. Or do we need to split up and sort of surround it in case it just keeps circling round? Whichever you want, but I think we're going to have to do YMR and you splitting up. Um, I'll, I'll go with land then, and we'll sort of go through the door and follow the same route that we previously took. And I if said I I'll go meet with you and land. Then Weimar gets the group of soldiers. Okay, and we'll we'll meet back up by the that that door the at the top. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Or just there. Yeah. Okay. From somewhere in the distance, you hear a large crashing sound. Let's get on it. Followed by a loud splash. Any way of telling what sort of direction? From sort of roughly to the north. 
All right, should we head back that way then? All right, together. It's a loud splash. Maybe it's coming back for us. It's trying to get behind us. So let's just all go back through the water room. Okay, you splash back through the the water room, mm -hmm. heading past the room with the the stone guardian statues in it, until you get to here. And again, you can see that whereas there there appears to have once been a door there again, like another stone door, but like a proper door. It appears to have been like torn off its hinges, hmm. and it's just like lying in the in the corridor. In the passage to the north, beyond that, it appears to spread out into a large chamber. A staircase heads down into a flooded area, and then beyond that, a another small stone staircase rises up out of the water, revealing what appears to be. As a large stone dais with a pool at the centre of it. Can we see anything? Any sort of creatures scrambling away? As you us? as you peer into the water, the murky waters, you can indeed see several large shapes moving around under the water. In this sort of yes, yeah, yeah. I think this is a uh, a job for might. What what sort of numbers of shadows or shapes can we see? It, it's difficult to tell exactly, but you think like half a dozen, mm. and they're pretty large looking. They're moving away or moving towards us or just they just to be milling around hanging in the around water. yeah but you you guesstimate i mean it's difficult to tell the conditions but if these things are sort of like roughly human proportions then they'd be about eight foot tall then mm. as you're pondering what to do next there is a loud splash as a rubbery, green-skinned humanoid hunched over with a bestial face hauls itself out of the water using great jagged claws as it pulls itself out. Bits of stone and what look like seaweed and moss fall off its shoulders as it turns towards you and bears its teeth in a ferocious snarl and that is where we're going to finish for tonight guys mm. as this strange green skinned creature hauls itself out and the other dark shapes in the water start drifting closer following it thank you very much for playing guys again apologies for the the various technical issues i think we're definitely going to go with the um the slightly more manual method of doing it next time which hopefully i'll have time to sort out before next time I think um, on on that note just to butt in very quickly yeah of course Phil. i think okay. the uh the, the rolling was the only thing that had some hiccups i think everything else mm. is pretty okay so okay. i mean how, how are you guys in terms of like the maps maps are yeah, the maps. yeah maps have been okay the entire time so so I've got to, I've got to pick up some dice. With, with mine, it's not like updated showing who's on the maps. So I couldn't really tell if you guys were actually on the maps or not. 
Yeah, no, that's no, yeah. That, that was okay for me at least the entire time. Right, okay, cool. But, um, yeah, obviously, we'll we chat about this in a bit, guys. Obviously, we'll, we'll work cool. out um, XP and whatever, but I hope the session was okay for you guys. Yeah, yep. a bit, bit of a sort of yep. mix of strangeness going on there with old yeah. swine like yeah. villages yeah. and exploring <laughs> swine temples. Yeah. That's it, man. Swin Swinsmith. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, obviously, we'll work out XP. Just remains for me to say thanks to my wonderful players for bearing with us, etc., with various problems. Hopefully, we'll catch you all next time. Take care. Catch you soon.